Welcome back. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things. No subtitle. None needed, frankly. Yeah. You know it. I mean, we could binge, we could nerd, we could four stars, we could some of the Stranger Things podcast, but we don't need that. Nah. It's uh, just us now. It speaks for itself. No this frills. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Streaming things. No frills. And if you're new to the show, welcome. We've got a treat for you. I always say that. Sometimes it's a lie, but not today. And if it was, would I tell you that? No. So is it? We wouldn't lie to you. <laughs> Andy, quit There's winking. Quit winking, Andy. <laughs> Andy, why are you winking? <laughs> what we typically do is whatever the hell we want, and we haven't hammered that down. But we try to stay in the realm of TV and film and reviewing whatever's on our minds. But today, something near and dear to our hearts. So next week, as you know, you're probably waiting with bated breath. We've decided to torture ourselves and watch all 10 of the Fast and Furious Saga franchise films. And we felt a little bit like sellouts doing that. Uh, not really. Who cares? But <laughs> we wanted to spend this week discussing uh, indie films, shedding light on some smaller, maybe lesser known films. Some of them are probably ubiquitously regarded as wonderments already. But mm -hmm. that is what it is. But, you know, we wanted to do the opposite this week. So that's what we're going to be doing on tonight's show. Uh, and then again, next week, look forward to our just... I don't know what you want to call it. A marathon. Fasten your seatbelts. <laughs> yeah. It's Fast and the Furious time, baby. Smorgasbord. We are going to watch all nine. That's the first eight and the spinoff Hobbs and Shaw. And then I guess we have to go to the theater. I didn't even think about that to see Fast 9. Yeah. Yeah. When do you guys want to go? Friday. Okay. Deb, deb, the debut. <laughs> the, the, the butt. It's one of our things here on this show, by the way, if you're new. We just purposefully mispronounce things like uh, Disney Plus. I don't know what you're talking about. That's yeah. how you pronounce it. <laughs> it's just a way. That's just how you. I like how last week Steve's just in the background every time I didn't say, like, I just kept saying plus. <laughs> Good lean. And he just kept going, please. <laughs> he thought I didn't notice, but did, I did. Oh, I was going to say, did you not notice it while we were recording? I did, but it was, it wasn't. I wouldn't say it wasn't funny. I did. I just kind of heard it. Oh, no, 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 no. No, say no more. No, <laughs> but, 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 but when I was listening to it in my car, it was hilarious. So you glad you did. It's much like how Andy always bitch. says really funny things in the background inaudibly. And then I catch them later and laugh a lot in the car. Am I, is it weird that I listen to the show? No, I don't think so. Because I thoroughly enjoy it. Like, I don't always finish every episode, but I listen to every episode. Andy. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like you guys should listen to the show, mostly because you never know if I'm going to like bastardize what you say. Because I could. You I could, could if I wanted you could. to. You'd get really mad at us and just be like. <laughs> Chop up your words so you, it sounds like you, like I am pedophile. What? <laughs> Mike Perbiglia. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, that was the one. <laughs> that was really well done. Mike Perbiglia. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. You info. have the power to fix or destroy things, Steve. Dude, when I used to edit our old podcast, I went ham on every episode and would like cut out seconds of silence and like would cut out anything that made one of us sound kind of dumb. Like if we didn't mm -hmm. know, totally know what we were talking about. So editing so it was every just episode, a bunch of silence. <laughs> so, so, right. Every, every episode took me like a week to edit because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Oh, and yeah. Nobody got time for that. It was terrible. If what, we sound dumb. So be it. That's part of our charm, right? Yeah. Four stars. <laughs> Literally, somebody gave us four stars because we're dumb. Sophomoric humor. <laughs> they no, don't no, know anything. Sophomoric misogyny. That's what it was. Yes, but also not that knowledgeable on TV or film or music. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally all we talk about. Oh, no. <laughs> 
Four stars. Yeah. Well, okay. Oh, okay. Well, ladies enjoy. Why'd you have to say all that mean shit? Scum of the earth. Speaking of four star reviews, we will be infinitely grateful if you left a five star review on wherever you're listening to this podcast, most likely iTunes due to our metrics. Uh, Just take a couple of seconds, drop a five star review. If you have some kind words to put in the review, that would be even more wonderful. It helps people find us, raises us in the algorithm. We would definitely appreciate that. Even if we only deserve four stars, give it five and then say in the comment that it's actually a four star. Yeah, do us a favor. This was a pity star. Do us a favor and lie to your friends and tell them this is a great show that they can't miss. Just Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. lie to your friends and family. Very much appreciate that. As long as we get their ears in our world. Yeah, okay, just the ears. Yeah, yeah. maybe think of men in tights. Lend me your ears. Throw them at them. Throw a whole bunch of ears at them. Uh, Also, email us at streamingthingspod at gmail.com if you have something uh, that you would like to say to us. It doesn't even have to be kind. It could be mean. That's fine. We just like getting emails. Yeah. Um, Just, you know, if you want to join the conversation. And then isn't there a way you can just dial in and leave a voicemail for us, Steve? You can. If you want to dial in and leave us a voicemail, you can dial 859-757-4051. Again, that's 859-757-4051. Very well. One day, I'm just going to call and see if you can see if it's me, Steve. I wonder if you could tell. I probably could by the cadence of your voice. Well, I'm going to try to disguise my cadence. I'm going to call in and pretend to be a Russian. Yeah, that's, we're never going to know. <laughs> yeah, we'll never know. It's like, oh, Putin's calling. That, that combined with our huge listenership uh, in Siberia, we'll never know. It's we, just, we're just going to think it's one of them. We do have a voicemail this week, but we should save it for our main event. Okay, I trust you, Steve, as the, uh, what's the word? Damn it, Phil, next week on Twitter, help me out. I'm thinking of a word that means like, it's a mix of arbiter and purveyor. Uh, (laughs) Phil is a listener of the show, friend of Steve's, and every week I pretend to be someone who's knowledgeable about words, but forget a really important, obvious one. And then Phil will just randomly tweet at me. Did you see where you found last week? Well, he he told me actually that in the moment when you were like struggling for the word, he was like yelling it at the... That's what I always picture. And then you said, Phil's going to tweet at me and Phil started laughing because he's like, I was about to tweet at him. (laughs) (laughs) I always got faith in Phil. Um, Any hoozle, moving right on, I guess. That brings us to our Crossing Streams segment this bumper goes out to a very special listener that was very upset that we didn't have a bumper for the crossing streams segment so andy wrote this for you damn straight he toiled away for out he really did actually it took many many hours to write this little riff and I'm but impressed. It sounds great. It does. Thanks, guys. I called him. I said, Andy, this is phenomenal. It might be too good. He was like, fuck you. And I was like, no, I'm just saying, like, I would really like to listen to this for about three minutes and 10 seconds. Yeah. And that's not what these are for. But I applaud you, sir. It's glorious. Thanks, man. Shredding that guitar and also other instruments. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's Aww. for you, buddy. That's Aww. for you. You did a good job. You did a good job. I'm really excited. I uh, signed up for... Um, Presonus Sphere, which is like kind of like the Adobe Creative Cloud, but for music production. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came with Studio One Five. Uh, it's a very <laughs> poor, poorly named software when, yeah. they, when they first Studio called it Studio One, one Five. Five. Yeah. So fifteen. But, uh, I'm still playing with it. Still, still working it up. I'm. Uh, I've started the process of setting up my uh, little recording area in my office. I don't know if you guys noticed. I moved my computer back into there. 
and I set up my MIDI controller. It looks better in the living my room. audio box, and it's a very pretty computer. And so it does no, I mean, well. I mean, the living room looks better. That's what I meant. Oh, it's okay. like it's not what that. That's not where that belongs. Right. You know, yeah. Supposed to display your guitars there on either side of your giant TV. <laughs> oh, you've done that. Wonderful. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, so that's exciting. You might have some more uh, Andy music coming in your ear holes. So, oh my God. <laughs> I didn't mean to phrase it that way. Coming in your ear holes. <laughs> Thanks for repeating it, Steve. Coming in, in your ear holes. they didn't catch it. <laughs> Phil, save my words. <laughs> just feed me lines. We need Phil the teleprompter here yes. from now on to stop me from just. My, my, I can feel my face getting red. Because normally I when I do that red. on Tundra, it's on purpose. <laughs> That wasn't, and it felt worse. That's what uh, I'm going to have to call my EP whenever I make it. Coming in your ear holes. <laughs> Andy Casson, coming in your ear holes. And to stores near you. Um, anyway, any hoozle. Back in the day, that would have been the show title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the Crossing Stream segment is where we discuss what we've been up to in the past week. We can't talk about much because we've got a huge action-packed show for you. We don't want to go over our normal overlong length. And also, many of us here have been spending lots of time, thanks to me and my dumb ideas, watching Fast and Furious movies uh, and ancillary media. So anywho, but this is where we discuss what, we, what we've been up to since last we met. Andy, do you got anything to drop on our listeners? Yeah, um, I got a text from you guys the other day it was uh which uh it said every podcast has these three guys which one are you and it was like the creep from toy story and the dad from inside out mm -hmm. and uh, the, the, the chef, chef from ratatouille, ratatouille the redheaded guy and you guys freaked out on me when i said i hadn't seen inside out or ratatouille so i watched both of those <laughs> oh nice um they are fantastic aren't they um dude inside out uh was did you cry an absolute gem yes i did yeah cry. Dude, Dude I, I, I am like the easiest mark for like sappy emotional moments in Pixar movies. Uh, so I'm just like, oh my God. I legit teared up at Inside Out. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a there's a scene with a, a particular pink person that yeah. <laughs> just made me just like wallow in tears. Like, no, it was, yeah. childhood. Do you not often cry in, when watching films, Steve? I do, uh, but usually it's like single tear. Like my eyes are welling up, but, but, I, but I'm not actually like crying, crying. Do you but, fight it? I do find it really? usually because I'm in the movie theater and my wife is sitting next to me. <laughs> and if she sees any weakness, <laughs> you'll strike. <laughs> if she sees any weakness, yes, she will. She will strike. Her her common go to is if she ever catches me, she just goes, "Are you crying?" <laughs> no, it can be the fucking still crying in baseball. Be the saddest thing on the screen, and she's like, "Are you crying, wuss?" Just and then the do leaves. I look like a double fucking rainbow to you? <laughs> <laughs> um, but tell me more about your thoughts on these movies, dude, man. Dude, um, yeah, uh, Inside Out. It was one of the most clever ideas for an animated movie ever, and it, it got me thinking a lot. I'm not huge into animated movies, right? Like I'll watch them, but I'm not going to go out of my way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, there was that one that came out uh, recently. Like if there's one guys. playing on your way home, sure. Soul. Uh, no, not Soul. Luca? It was uh, the machine versus the machines oh, or something. Mitchell's versus the machines. Yeah, I have. I've not yet gotten to that, even though I know it's going to be amazing. I just haven't really gotten good. around that to it. It is um, really, really good. But so anyway, uh, it got me thinking a lot watching Inside Out. I was like, really, like, their animated movies are the last bastion of any idea you want is doable, and mm -hmm. I think that that's so. Zack cool. Snyder says so. Like it would be, it would have been <laughs> impossible to have made Inside Out as a live action movie. Right. Although I'm sure inevitably Disney is going to figure that out and do it because that's mm -hmm. what they do. 20 years from now, we're going to get the live version of Inside Out. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Ratatouille, uh, I also super liked, but damn, dude, like 
animated movies have changed. Like there was straight up like a, uh, there's a scene where the main character is super hungover and like can't wake up. And they they give him what's that movie where they carry around the dead guy? Uh, Weekend at Bernie's. Bernie's? We can they totally weakened at Bernie this guy like he's passed out drunk snoring and like the the whole conceit is the rat controls the guy by like pulling on his hair and so he's asleep and the rat puts sunglasses on him and then gets on top of his head and is pulling him around and so he's like passed out drunk like flopping around and stuff and I was like damn like that's it's such an adult scene like. I, I can't imagine a a Pixar or you know Disney movie coming out now and having that type of. This dude was too drunk. He, he got trashed last night. <laughs> Therefore, you know we have this comedy scene playing. I was like, this is super aged. Like it's it's crazy. I I, there, I also want to shout out the uh, the little Chinatown reference in uh, Inside Out when the uh, the one cloud gets blown up and the 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 wife cloud is talking to him and they're like she's like, yeah, that little kid ran through it and completely destroyed it and then. Uh, and then it happens to her, and the cops like, "Hey, he's like, just leave it alone, Jack. It's Cloud Town. It's like, <laughs> it's like this straight up it's Chinatown. Cloud Town. I, I love the little adult. No child is going to get this yeah, reference no. when when those happens in the in those movies. But yeah, those are the really the only two things I've been streaming. But that was a damn good way to spend your time, yeah. and we're proud yeah. of you. Because normally with the blind spots here, like I still haven't watched that episode of Doctor Who, and it should be very easy for me to do so. I'm just willfully ignorant right now. Do you have HBO Max? I do. And there's no excuse. And it wouldn't matter if I didn't. I would just buy it. I'm I've terrible with money. I've season an episode for him and still nothing. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it. Uh, it's called Blink. Yep. Okay. Just Blink. I will not it watch up. it, apparently. Steve, what have you been doing? Uh, well, unfortunately for me, my week has been insane. A lot of 12-hour shoots, so I would come home from a long day shooting in the sun and then go right to bed and start over again. Would you, Steve? Is that what you did? Y- yes. You went right to bed? Other than watching the Fast and Furious films no. that we were required to you do. You did nothing else? No. I oh, well, I ate dinner. Okay. So if I checked your PlayStation and I wouldn't see any Mass Effect hours in there? <laughs> no. <laughs> you wouldn't because I play offline. <laughs> That's true. I never see you on there. But no, the only thing, yeah, literally the only things I've streamed this week are uh, the first two Fast and the Furious films and also the latest episode of Star Wars The Bad Batch. How's uh, that? I didn't know that was still a thing. I deleted oh, yeah. that from my brain. I think there's like 16 episodes of the season. Is, is it still getting worse and worse or is it just like... It was. The last two episodes did pick up because they, they finally kind of, you know, careened back to a pretty major plot point. And the last two episodes saw the return of two very popular characters from the Clone Wars. Um, I don't want to spoil whom. Uh, the most recent of which was a big surprise for me and made me kind of like squeal out loud because it's like a really cool character that they haven't used in years. And people are always wondering, like, hey, what happened to that guy? Why don't they use that dude? And he came back, and it was exciting to see him. And I hope uh, I hope to see him some more because he's a really fascinating character. Yeah, uh, I don't want to spoil who it is, just in case we have, you know, a listener that watches that show. It sounds like it's something that is rewarding to diehard Star Wars fans only. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Literally, like, you have to be the nerdiest of nerds, Star Wars. Because I, I don't think it's doing well. I know they don't, like, release their viewership numbers, but I... It's not in the conversation No one's talking about it. See. Yeah. It's, it's just this thing that's flying under the radar, I feel like. Um, but, you know, it's it's still not great. Uh, the episodes seem to be getting shorter and shorter, which is really funny. Because the first episode's, like, what, an hour and 15 minutes? Yeah. And now they're down to like 22 minutes. And it was minutes. decent, but I heard it was the best of the season. And I just like, well, if that's just the apex, then yeah. I'm done. Because ain't nobody yeah. got time for that. 
that is the the best of the season so far that I've seen. Uh, but the last two were pretty good. Um, and like I said, I, I watched the first two Fast and Furious films. I don't want to get into it too much. Um, but coming from someone who, you know, for years I, I, I've looked at these movies and kind of be like, that's not for me. I don't really care. I don't really want to get into that world. Um, I don't think they're great movies, but I there is this like undeniable charm to them that is like like the movies will finish. And I'll be like, you know what? I'm not upset that I had to watch this. I that's is was kind of a fun way to waste an hour and a half, you know? Yeah. So that's that's what I've been streaming. Okay. Um, I I want to talk about just for a second. It's more of a check the gate thing, sort of, but I didn't research it. But Andy inspired me to remember that I was thinking it something that I kind of want to watch that I no, oh, kidding. <laughs> something that I kind of want to watch uh, I'm not a, the biggest anime fan I think we've talked about it before I love the Studio Ghibli films uh, and I'm a big fan of like some of the classic uh, I don't want to I don't know what the word is Q and Phil but I want to say raunchy but just more I don't know, lascivious uh, I don't know but adult films from my youth like Afro Samurai and uh, Perfect Blue mm. and uh, those kinds of, I like those but anyway there's a few like uh, Netflix original animes that are ex- in, insanely popular uh, and I had a buddy at work that's really into them there's a new one coming out or maybe it's already out called Ragnarok on Netflix that looks really cool I saw some of the voice work and, and researched some of those actors and it seemed like it was really fun Um I, again, really did like Castlevania. We talked about that a week or two ago. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys, you, neither of you are anime fans, right? Not big, no. I, I mean, I, I've watched a couple of the huge ones. Like, I've seen Attack on Titan. You know, I've seen Akira. Yes, I did watch um, Attack on Titan. But no, I, I don't go out of my way to watch it. I don't know that I'll get around to it, but that's something I kind of am interested in. I'm like, you know what? Maybe there's something to this because it, it's its own thing. It's its own culture. I might just yeah. pop on some K-pop, go watch some anime and just my, like my wife is a huge anime fan um so huge in fact that whenever i walk in on the room when she's watching anime she immediately pauses it and is like what are you doing get out it's almost <laughs> like, like she's ashamed or she just doesn't yeah. okay yeah. It, like she has the reaction like if i caught her watching porn yeah like, what are you doing no. <laughs> which it might be steve yeah. why are your pants <laughs> off <laughs> there's there's anime for that um but yeah my my wife is too she's actually a huge fan of like webtoons you know what those are Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if the, the, does does your wife read those or? I don't think she does. Not that specifically, no. Uh, but they actually have been turning webtoons into like Netflix shows too. Mm-hmm. So anyway, anywho, uh, I watched a few. Th- did you guys not watch Loki episode two? Oh yeah, I not did yet. watch that. Yeah, yeah. Andy, you did not. I have okay, not. I so did. I guess we won't talk too much about it. But I just good. for me. I, I think it's Andy. You were. I don't want to. That's a spoiler, probably. I, I, I had a good idea of where you it's were, going. You were, yeah, almost spot on on a few things. And I think you should watch it probably tonight just because that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was just as good as the pilot. I'm very intrigued to where it's going. It's yeah. definitely the best of the uh, MCU derivative shows that so I've far, seen. Yeah. And very excited to see where it goes. Uh, the, the buddy cop uh, vibe to it is, is really good. Like that That's a whole genre that I would love to see as much of as possible in the MCU. So far, I would love for us to do like a, another episode on it later on when it finishes. Definitely. Oh, for sure. I think Definitely. we could devote a whole episode to it. Absolutely. And if right into streaming things pod at gmail.com, if you would like to hear that or not, if you'd like to not hear it, actually keep that to yourself. Don't yuck anybody's yum. Uh, <laughs> I also, uh, caught all the way up on mythic quest i just want to say that i i I want to plug it every week until i know that every man woman and child on earth maybe not certain children are watching this show that's all i want to say has the finale aired yet uh no okay 
Which certain children shouldn't watch? <laughs> Ones whose parents don't think that they should be watching shows that have uh, prolific profanity. Uh, that's all I'm saying. Um, I also, speaking of profanity, uh, Dave season two dropped the other day. Did you guys happen to... Well, Steve, you didn't watch season one yet, right? No, correct. It's Andy, amazing. Andy, did you watch season two? No, I can't get into Hulu. Oh, that's right. I tried to. No, I didn't. FBI. I didn't try to let Andy use my Hulu. So here's the. F I actually think I pay for two Hulus. It's <laughs> not the idea of FBI. Like we got another one, guys. <laughs> We're a big streaming things fans, but not anymore. Uh, two Hulu. So here's what happened. Here's how I pay for. I think two Hulus. I just like that phrase. Hulu. What happened? <laughs> 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 it's right there. <laughs> Such a low-hanging fruit. I ducked under it. Uh, what happened was um, I tried. I, so I paid for Hulu. No, no, no. That's not what happened. I mean, you'd think that'd be the beginning of the story, but it wasn't. <laughs> I subscribed to Hulu via my uh, Verizon cell membership because there's like a discount and it's kind of simple. Mm -hmm. um, but, but then I went to log in and it wouldn't work. So Disney Plus, I might also have two as well. And I really wanted to watch something. I couldn't figure out how to verify that I had paid for it through Verizon. So then I paid for it organically just through straight to Hulu. Oh, no. And then later I saw it charged on my uh, uh, phone bill the, the, for the Hulu package. Oh, no. And I was like, eh, fuck it. So because <laughs> I'm terrible with money. But here's what I'm thinking. Uh, I did read a little <laughs> bit. And apparently Verizon can like sense that if it's the same email address and they'll cancel one for you or something like that, hopefully. So, I hope so. I don't know. Help me out there, listeners, if that's not, may or may not be the case. But Andy was like, hey, can I use your Hulu? And I'm like, which one? You know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, Dave season two. Uh, honestly, the, the, the first episode, not as strong as any of the ones from season one. Really? But okay. also containing all of the quirk and heart that I expected, and I'm excited to see where it goes. It does this strange thing, and let me see if you get the same feeling when you watch it. There is no recap that I can recall. And keep in mind, this episode was interrupted by a tornado in the area where we live in Cincinnati. So, like, I spent uh, 20 minutes in the middle of the show in my basement holding my dogs, thinking, hey, I think it's about to go down. Uh, it was a tornado warning. Yeah, yeah, right. It was terrible. <laughs> Dude, I was at the bar. I was like, well, this fits. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely how I go. And I always knew it. Um, but it's there's no, what like, the gypsy woman said. There, there's no recap and a significant amount of time it seems to have passed since season one. And they don't spend any time like, Oh, hey, what have you been up to? Or this is what's going on now. Or they just jump right in, but later. Huh. And it's pretty disconcerting. Like, uh, I won't spoil anything and talk about it. I can't wait to talk about when you watch it. I could be wrong, but that's it kind of, you think that would be endearing and creative, but it kind of took me out of it a little bit. But I'm so, still, I fucking love that show. That's Dave. It's airing on uh, Hulu. Uh, and I also want to talk briefly uh, about how I finished uh, Sweet Tooth. Um, did you guys, I can't, Andy, did you carry on watching that at I all? I guess not. you would have talked about it if you had. I'm mm -hmm. sorry to keep asking these questions. Good. I know you guys both talked about what you watched, but did you watch? Well, I uh, have a bad habit I of mean, remembering well after the segment's you, over. Yes, so yeah, that's we'll, fair. We'll, we'll be halfway through indie films and it'll be like, oh, guys, by the way. <laughs> Speaking of indie films, I watched this awesome one the other day. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I really, really enjoyed Sweet Tooth, but it, it kind of upset me for the opposite reason in a weird way of Dave, where 
the finale to me obviously leaves things open for a season two. That's most, unless it's a limited series, that's every show's goal is to be greenlit for future seasons. But I like when each season has somewhat of a satisfying ending, Mm -hmm. especially when you know you're a fucking Netflix show and the odds of you never making another episode randomly are very high. Yeah. Uh, I would have liked some sort of emotional ending to like, hey, there's threads open, but okay, I can rest for a year. But they really cliffhangered it, hmm. and that kind of upset me. Um, so I would like to hear other people's thoughts on that, though. But overall, very well-made show. I mean, Andy said lots of Last of Us threads, and uh, it's very good, lighthearted post-apocalypse, if that's a thing. Uh, can you have a lighthearted post-apocalypse? Oh, it depends. If there's a precocious child, yes, you can. <laughs> You keep saying precocious child. <laughs> Wait, has there ever been a child in any film or TV ever that wasn't precocious? Yeah, I, really I would th- like to see that movie. Yeah, it's just a boring kid. Yeah. <laughs> a little slow. I feel like the kid in the road probably wasn't precocious. <laughs> yeah, definitely wasn't. That's a sad apocalypse right there. <laughs> anyway, that's what I've been streaming this week, which brings us to our next segment. Check the gate. Check the gate is the segment where we streaming things bring you, the listeners, all the hottest, steamiest, freshest takes in TV and film news that you can get literally anywhere else. You heard it here third. (laughs) (laughs) Seems very tired. Uh, Ironically, I don't have much news to report this week. I've been very focused on my independent film coverage. However, uh, I did want to talk a little bit about um, how the embargo has lifted on Black Widow and which debuts on July 9th. And we're very excited to review here on this show. Oh, and how, uh, how are the reviews? The buzz is strong with this one. Uh, the midichlorian count on Black Widow was apparently very high. And that's a deep Star Wars cut to the prequels, which Steve appreciates because, as everyone knows, the prequels are the best Star Wars films. Mm. And uh, especially the second <laughs> one. Mm. <laughs> no. And Hayden Christensen <laughs> is a talent the world will never live up to. Uh, I'm done trying to piss Steve off. The best thing about the prequels is that meme that's been making the rounds where it's yeah, Anakin. That's, like, that's like the most memeiest meme ever right yeah. now. <laughs> and there's so many different iterations. You can do so much with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I'm i very excited. I'm glad that Black Widow is getting such strong buzz. And I hope that it's every bit as wonderful as people say. Same. And from my experience, if this many critics, it doesn't necessarily mean I'll love it, but I probably won't hate it. Sure. Yeah. And that's that's really cool because I really want to like it. I love that character. Yeah, I love that character, and I'm, I'm, it's you know it's a crime that it's taken this long for her to get her own movie. You know what I mean? Like True it's that. so stupid that it's uh, you know when was so Iron Man two was the first appearance yes. of Black Widow. What year was Iron Man two? That was like 2010, um, so maybe a, earlier a very than long that. Time ago? No, that was earlier than no. Wait, Iron Man was always right. Oh wait, yeah, yeah. That's so probably a fair guess. Iron Man two was like 2010 times. or 2011. 2010. You're a fucking monster, Steve. Mm, fucking working at a movie theater at that time, baby. <laughs> but I can tell you it was. Two hours and four minutes long. Did you know that, son of a bitch? No. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Did you? Do you remember that the villain in Iron Man Two was defeated by a super high five? <laughs> I do, and I also remember it was Mickey Rourke yeah. as himself. Where's my? <laughs> where is my? How butter? much better would Iron Man Two have, would have been if the villain was just Mickey Rourke? 
just, he shows up in the racetrack scene. They're like, Mickey Rourke, like, what are you doing? I that, loved you in that movie. Is that Mickey Rourke from The Wrestler? He's on a bunch of blow. What's he doing? Why does why does he why does he have against Sony Stark? I Stop. thought he was dead. Stop trying to make everybody watch nine and a half weeks. It's weird. <laughs> I look super good naked in that movie. Uh, yeah, that would have anyway. Just thoughts on how to improve Iron Man two from streaming things. Yeah. But that's that the Mickey Rourke is all the news I got for you this week, and that's what we're saying. You heard it here third. You heard it here. <laughs> so third, the hot actor, <laughs> the hot steamiest, freshest takes in film news. Iron Man two came out in two thousand and ten. <laughs> Nobody knew that. And it's two Actually, hours and four minutes long. According to the movie's subreddit, the, the number one most newsworthy thing on that Reddit right now is Francis McDormand, Steve Buscemi, and Joel Cohen reunite to reflect on 25 years of Fargo. So it's probably a slow week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, so that brings us to our main event, our discussion of our most favorite uh, indie films, uh, I, I want to start us off with a little bit of a history lesson that might be very boring. It's certainly outside of the norm for the streaming things. Mm. Uh, but I did some digging. I started thinking, uh, what is an indie film? Right? Because as I was making my list, I saw some patterns. Who is indie? <laughs> Who is indie? What is indie film? Indie Casson? Uh, <laughs> so I started thinking some of these films are actually, they have a huge fan base. I don't think I'm doing anybody any favors or telling them to watch this movie they've probably seen. Um, and I started thinking, well, it's okay. Sometimes indie films catch fire and a lot of people watch them. They're still independent films. Um, and I also started looking at some of my favorite indie films, quote unquote indie, realizing that there were huge studios behind them. And I'm like, oh, no, this was produced by 20th Century Fox. Oh, no, this is a Warner Brothers film. Oh, no, this is MGM. And then I realized, of course, indie films get bought up at festivals by larger studios and distributed. That doesn't mean it's not an indie film. So anyway, I so started. They're, so they're more the distributor than the producer. True. Very true. Uh, but I started thinking, okay, let's just start off. What is an independent film? Okay. So, and a lot of what I'm about to say is just pulled straight from Wikipedia because in true streaming things form, we put very little effort into this. Uh, but I pulled for some, from some other things. Hey, that, you typed up the Google search for Wikipedia? Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the effort they expect from us. Yeah. So, an independent film is a feature film or short that is produced outside the major film studio system, in addition to being produced and distributed by independent entertainment companies. Independent films are sometimes distinguishable by their content and style, so they're often quirky and weird and get away with things that normal studios wouldn't greenlight or the larger studios, right? Which is why sometimes we love them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're weird major misses, though, right? For sure. Uh, yeah. And the way in which the filmmaker's personal artistic vision is realized. Usually, but not always, independent films are made with considerably lower budgets than major studio films, as Steve alluded to earlier, uh, perhaps off air, now that I'm mentioning it. Yeah, that was totally <laughs> uh, Now we've spoiled it. They know we talk outside of this. Oh, shit. Uh, oh, man. Oh, jeez. Uh, generally, the podcast the, is coming from inside the house. Generally, the marketing of independent films is characterized by limited release often at independent movie theaters, but they can also have major marketing campaigns and a wide release, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so I can stop there. That's the definition of an indie film. And I've got a little film history to go into and here in a soon, uh, here in a soon. Here in a soon. Here in a soon. Damn it, film, I need your teleprompter, the filiprompter. The filiprompter. Um, so, I mean, I don't want to talk a little bit about, did you guys also struggle with this in a sense of like, did you start to question yourself? Almost like, 
uh, when you say a word too many times in a row and it loses its meaning, uh, I started thinking overly much about, is this an indie film? Do I just have like an indie film connotation in my mind? And that just means uh, it had a, a strong artistic vision or less people watched it or I feel special. And it's actually a major studio release that just bombed or uh, anyway, I started. Did you guys also do that where you kind of thought too much about it? I did 100 percent. My uh, immediate first thought of uh, my favorite indie films, I thought of my favorite movie ever, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And I was like, is that indie, though? Because it has fucking Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet and Elijah Wood <laughs> and Mark Ruffalo like it's hard to qualify a movie as indie when it has the biggest names in Hollywood, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that movie is technically an indie film. But yeah, so I I started trying to think of like deep cut indies, you know what I mean? Because Uh, I, it was only a $20 million budget. Sorry to interrupt. There you go. Um, So yeah, when I started trying to think of like my favorite indie films, I started because I was questioning myself so much on what constitutes an indie. Uh, I started thinking of like, all right, if it costs more than like a million dollars, then I'm probably not going to bring it up. Oh, wow. You went that far. Yeah. I, went, I, I mean, I didn't like look up every budget, but you, you can tell, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, like Primer is one that I was actually tweeting about it the other day, but it was made up for like seven grand and literally the budget was just film stock. Everything else was, they already owned it and nobody got paid. Mm-hmm. Good on them. Good on them. Did you have the same uh, struggles with defining indie? Yeah, I did too. I think I probably looked up the same definition that Chris just read off off because I, 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 you know, I, I sat down and started thinking of like movies that I consider indie films, and I, yeah, I was like, ah, is that indie? Is that? So I had to I had to find a definition to kind of tr- try to create some sort of parameter so I can start knocking off some films off my list, mm-hmm. right? And eventually, what I settled on for my categorization is like budget and original release like was it a really small release when it first came out to the point where like then a a larger distributor would pick it up and then give it a a wider release eventually because like you said some of these films like right now present day like pulp fiction i think we mentioned this off air pulp fiction is a movie that right now is like this legendary film it's super popular everyone knows what it is it's like in the cultural zeitgeist you don't really think of it as being an indie film when it 100 percent was when it was made Mm -hmm. um and so, and so a lot of that is just kind of like trying to put yourself in the moment of when the film was released. So I did a lot of research on like some of the films that are on my list. You know, when did it release? Uh, what was the budget on them? Uh, how did they release? And that really kind of colored uh, my perspective on how I created my list. Well, it's interesting too. And not to like, I know our fans are used to us being pretty goofy, but um, you know, cause we, this might actually get like pretty monotone and serious at times and i'm actually kind of excited about that but don't worry i'll throw in some coming jokes every now and then uh, <laughs> uh but you, you got to remember that there's been waves of it too where like in the early 90s we were talking about with pulp fiction that was uh an indie revolution and we got the birth of uh quentin tarantino uh robert rodriguez kevin smith richard linklater, uh, richard linklater all at the same time and so but it's like if you mention like, I just felt stupid if I came into this indie film discussion. Like, favorite indie films of all time. Uh, oh, Pulp Fiction, uh, Dazed and Confused. Like, you'd be like, get the fuck out of here, man. Those are like right. anybody over 20 years old. Those are among their favorite movies, right? So I tried to pick some that still, a lot of them are very, either won a lot of awards or a lot of people I know for a fact have seen, but I just couldn't not talk about them. Um, but in general, I think what this is useful for is just kind of focusing on how much we appreciate like, for instance, not to interrupt my sentence yet again, interrupting myself, but I like the part of the definition that says um, 
distinguishable by their content and style and the way in which the filmmaker's personal artistic vision is realized. Mm -hmm. That I think is what is special and what is unique. And even though I do love, I love MCU movies. I even like, everybody knows I like Zack Snyder's Justice League, right? I like that shit. They preserve that vision too much. (laughs) I like that shit. (laughs) However, uh, I really think there's something to be said for the lost art of the 20 to $60 million movie uh, that you can go to the Esquire and watch and walk home because you're just like destroyed and your life's a little bit altered and you need to think about what you just saw. You don't even know if you liked it yet. Like, yeah. did I like that? I feel empty inside. And then you talk about it with a friend uh, and all of a sudden you're like, you know what? That is true about life experience. And he, he, that gave you something that added something to your life in you a remember? very real way. After we saw Mother, when we were standing outside the theater and realized what it was, like when we were, we were like, oh my fucking God, that was like a biblical allegory for Mother Earth. Like we realized that while we were like well after. Yeah, we smoking outside the theater. It's crazy. Yeah. Those moments is what I are. And we also saw like when we saw Manchester by the Sea. Um, oh, that like that fucked God, us that up. Movie tore me. Up. <laughs> like, yeah. That was that destroyed us. Yeah. Uh, even when we saw uh, who's the guy? Uh, Nicholas Winding Refn. Mm-hmm. that you love and we went and saw the uh, l fanning oh. no the l fanning movie um what is that it was after drive Hannah? no come on guys it's got oscar isaac in it i think oh neon demon we, we, we went and saw neon mm. demon and we didn't particularly like that movie yeah. at all but we were just kind of like it, like it fucked our day up you right. know what I mean? but yeah. in a good way like that's what we need <laughs> movies for but anyway, I saw a pattern. So I, I came up with about, you know, 15 films um, all recently. So you can tell I was being lazy. Like there's not one before 2010. But that also kind of speaks to how many there are because I didn't even have to. I had to stop because I was getting too many. Um, every single film, 100 uh, percent unanimously. <laughs> I wanted to throw back last week. Are written and directed by the same person. And I, I could not let go of that pattern. And I yeah. think that that's very strong and very prevalent in an indie film or the kind of movie that I think of in an indie film is just a very singular vision. Uh, do you guys, did you do any research to that or did you notice that same pattern? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure all of the ones I came up with were the same. Yeah, I, uh, I've got seven on my list and I, I don't know if all of them are that, but like probably 80% of them are, are same writer, same director. Um, I also kind of approach mine just from the basis of, you know, indie films that are important to me at certain parts of my life. Like, I don't even think some of these films, when I say them, like, I like them, but like a couple of them, like, I don't think are good. There's They're, one that I genuinely dislike. I just like how it was made. Yeah. And it's just like, it was just something Tana. that like 15 year old me was like, yeah, this is so cool. But like nowadays I'd probably watch sure. it. Like, this isn't great, but it's fun. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, like, like you said, most of them are written and directed by the same person, which is a very interesting kind of, you know, thing, I think. Absolutely. Um, so I wanted to tell, I know this, this is very, I don't, we've never done anything like this. And I think it has the potential to be boring, but I didn't really know most of this as much as I think I'm a film buff and I love film history. Like the, um, the, I don't know, the origins and politics of movies, I hadn't really delved into much. And so, but I had to, in going into the entire notion of what is an indie film, I kind of, scrolled down literally and figuratively. Uh, So uh, in 1908, the motion picture patents company, uh, and this is all straight from Wikipedia, uh, was called the Edison Trust and it was formed. And it was basically a cartel that held a monopoly on film. So they controlled all the movies that were made and distributed, right? So this is the early 20th century. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So that's the way things were for the first, you know, silent film era all the way up to like Birth of a Nation, things like that. Right. And then in early 1910, director D.W. Griffith was sent by the Biograph Company to the West Coast with his acting troupe. Uh, and there's some actors there that from the early 20th century. Was D.W. Griffith Birth of a Nation? Is it that that guy? I don't want to click the blue thing oh, on his name. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> but probably. Um, so then they began filming on a vacant lot near Georgia Street in downtown L.A. Uh, and so they started exploring new territories, traveling several miles north to Hollywood, a little village that was friendly and positive about the movie company filming there. Probably never heard of Hollywood. You're, um, you're right about that, Andy B.T. Word. Griffith then filmed the first movie ever shot in Hollywood in Old California is the name of the movie. Blah, 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 blah. But what I'm getting at is that's fascinating to me is the evil studio system as we now know it was formed right there in the early 1900s, railing against the monopoly that the Edison Trust had on the East Coast. So that's why they ran to California, right? Weird. So uh, within a few years, ambitious men like Samuel Goldwyn, uh, Carl Limi, Adolf Zukor, Louis B. Meyer and the Warner Brothers, of which I did not know there were so many. I always pictured two guys. What's up, Tim? <laughs> Tim Warner. Hi, Harry Warner. We're brothers. But no, it's Harry, Albert, Samuel, and Jack Warner. Nobody likes uh, Jack. Right. Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, so they filling. All of these big studios were formed as, uh, you know, against the Edison Trust. So uh, within no time at all, you get 20th Century Fox, Metro Goldwyn uh, Meyer, Paramount Pictures, and Warner Brothers, right? And then later, smaller companies, Columbia Pictures, United Artists, and Universal Studios. So we can thank Thomas Edison being such a giant asshole. Son of a bitch. For Hollywood right now. <laughs> Finally, there was Poverty Row, uh, which was a catch-all term used to encompass any other smaller studio that manages to fight their way up into the increasingly exclusive movie business, right? So we all know what happened next. They all made a fuckload of money and became the thing uh, that they hated, right? And there's a lot of history in between there that I'm skipping over. But what I thought was fascinating was, hey, there was kind of like this gangster origin to this whole system right capitalism came in very quickly to to discover this new art form um and so now what we have so why is an indie film beneficial uh because if you want to uh say make a movie about uh, a young woman in a room that was kidnapped by a man and she uh, and and raped and impregnated and then watch her raise that baby in the same room for like 50 minutes of the film uh, and then escape and you deal with trauma and uh, PTSD and uh, Stockholm syndrome and all these kinds of things. Um, someone typically, and I might be putting my foot in my mouth and this could be a fucking Paramount film for all I know, but that's what I think of as an indie film. Like that's a, a unique concept. They're not going to green light something like that. No, you can't have $30 million to do that. So what you do uh, is kind of uh, campaign for financing on your own, try to make it and hopefully it gets sold at a festival circuit and can be seen by a wider audience. Right. Mm -hmm. um, or a film like mother, even if you're Darren Aronofsky and see, that's, what's so interesting though. Like sometimes you got these big, huge name directors that do these weird ideas and they kind of have to find their own funding, even if they've already earned their salt. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. We mentioned Darren Aronofsky, but we didn't mention um, Requiem for a dream. Mm -hmm. Or at least I didn't write that down. Cause that's one of those legendary movies um, at least from my youth, but it might not be. I mean, maybe kids these days aren't watching Train Spotting and Requiem for a Dream anymore, like we were. I bet most kids don't even know that Jared Leto acts. They just fucking know him from Thirty Minutes to Mars or Thirty Seconds. Thirty I Seconds to Mars. Thirty Minutes is his 
It's way longer. Sequel back. <laughs> I think it might be backwards. I think kids nowadays only know him as an actor and not as a band person. Oh, you think? Well, maybe just the Joker. So it's Jen Wires. Well, Jared Leto's like, he's been in a lot, you know? It's hard to think yeah. about, but Jared Leto's been in a lot of movies at this point in his career. You know, we don't talk about enough. Jason and Jeremy London. From like Mallrats? Yeah, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> like an early 90s out of it. I just let that hang. Um, so let's get, let's get into it. I, I, I just thought that was neat. And maybe that's very common knowledge and I'm the idiot, but I just really enjoyed it. No, that was really interesting. And like, that's why we like indie films is because like weird shit can get made. Um, and uh, like the magic that comes from that is yeah, often. For a while. And this, I don't think this is so true nowadays because I think we're currently like in the middle of Hollywood kind of shifting again. Uh, because even like in our lifetimes, like in the early 2000s, if you didn't have a, a, like a Brad Pitt or yes. a, or a, like a, uh, you know, a big name actor like George that, Clooney, you, George Clooney, if you did not Anyone have a huge name actor, it was like, well, why are we going to fund this movie? No one's going to see sure. if, if, if Angelina Jolie, on, if Angelina Jolie's on it, why would we fund this? Yeah. And it's so kind of a, a switch of, back to the classic Hollywood where, you, you know. Well, yeah. so you get a lot of them. Rita Hayworth and stuff like that. You get a lot of them in independent films, like the one you just described before has Brie fucking Larson. You know what I mean? It does, but I mean, she wasn't Brie Larson as we know her now then. Yeah, well, I mean, she had made a name at that point. Sure. Yeah, she wasn't Captain Marvel at that point, you know, but um, it's it's cool, though, because I feel like those actors would rather be making those kind of movies. And that's how you get a mm -hmm. career like Nicolas Cage, where yeah. he like. He doesn't need the money anymore, so he just does it because he thinks it's weird and fun, you yeah. know? Daniel Radcliffe does the same thing now. Mm -hmm. Elijah Wood. Uh, Robert Pattinson's doing it now. They're like they're purposely picking these Kristen interesting... Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart, yeah, she's 100% yeah. doing it. Yeah. They per, they, they've they made success. They make their money, They right? make their money in Hollywood playing the Hollywood big mainstream game, and now they have enough success where they can kind of bring clout to these smaller independent ideas that are like yeah, truly pushing the boundaries of the art form. Like, hey, we'll give you $20 million. You got Kristen Stewart, you know? That, that should make at least $20 million, you mm -hmm. know? And that's um, how you get a lot of like the uh, um, ableism and stuff in... Uh, in movies where like, remember the movie that came out recently where Brian Cranston played a guy, a disabled guy in a wheelchair and Kevin yes. Hart was helping him or whatever. And it got a lot of flack and rightfully so because he's an able-bodied person that was playing a disabled character. People were like, well, why didn't you just hire a, there are plenty of disabled actors out there, hire one of them. Because the studio wouldn't have paid for it if Brian Cranston's name wasn't on the poster, you right. know? And that's a terrible fact. Like you need to, you need to have representation in movies, but also get the money to make it and need to establish star power but you can't establish these other actors as stars without giving them the shot to begin with and i think that's kind of where like the micro budget indie or indie movies really shines it's an opportunity to establish a career you know yeah. what i mean have you guys seen the movie i'm sorry to derail this completely because um the one that i uh, thought of the most uh, when I started thinking about this topic was one that has none of that whatsoever. Have you guys seen the movie Escape from Tomorrow? Is that the, it's animated, right? No, um, the the cover is animated. It has uh, the Mickey Mouse glove with blood on it. Oh, you've told me about this a bunch. That's what it is. Yeah, so yeah. I've seen, the, what, I've what seen I, the cover a lot. Right, it, it was on Netflix right now. It's not streamable anywhere, but the whole conceit of that movie was that they filmed it at Disney World without anyone's permission and starred no-name people. It's like the only movie this guy ever made he, ha he has not made anything else whatsoever hmm. uh, his name's uh randy moore um but 
they shot it on with Canon DSLRs to make it look like they were just taking photos. And it's like this psychological horror film that takes place at Disney World. <laughs> and uh, this like, it's basically a family on the trip on a trip. Uh, and this guy starts having like these surreal nightmarish experiences, like little kids eyes turning black and like dead bodies in uh, roller coaster rides and stuff. And he like becomes obsessed with these French tourists. That was the movie that I was bringing up where I was like, I don't actually particularly like this movie. I think that it's pretty bad, honestly. <laughs> but the fact is that they literally went to Disney World with scripts on their phones and a couple of DSLR cameras and made. Yeah, they made a, the thing. It's like the yeah. ultimate gorilla movie. Like they didn't get permission for anybody and everybody expected Disney to like put the ax into it. When like the dude even went so far as like he went to South Korea to edit it because he was expecting <laughs> he was expecting at any time a knock on the door and Disney to like seize all of his stuff. Um, but they just kind of ignored it. Like it, it almost would have been more beneficial for them to have tried to cancel it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it would have been had a strike sand effect if they actually tried to cancel it. Exactly. <laughs> but I just that movie blows my mind. And like, I have so much respect for the dude for having achieved it. But also, like, he never did anything else. And that movie came out like nine years ago or something. Yeah, you've been talking about that for a minute. It was crazy. Well, it didn't launch his career, but it affected you. Maybe it launched your career, Andy. Yeah, Ooh. that's what we're I mean, saying. That's the most ultimate indie thing ever. Is like we can't get studio financing. We're gonna film on your theme park, Disney, <laughs> right. baby, baby. Well, I think that's kind of like the oh boy. You were saying like uh, you know another revolution is happening now, and, and I think you're right in the fact that so the, those Hollywood studios are dying, helped by the pandemic. I don't, I don't think it's the death of the movie theater like everyone fears. I think it's uh, uh, the death of the movie studio just to be bought out now by the streaming networks. I was, I was about to say, you either live long enough to die a hero or <laughs> yeah, yeah, die, die a hero well, or live long enough to be acquired by but Amazon. But to the streaming network's credit, it's probably a bug, not a feature, but because they're so thirsty for content to constantly pump, you know, you need new content for my, for my network. Uh, they're giving a lot of indie filmmakers a chance to make their thing now, yeah. right? Or at least, you know, in, in, in years past, Netflix has been a place specifically where, you know, a lot of lesser known um, indie films can be distributed and seen by all immediately. And, uh, you know, foreign films have, I think, gotten a new life in America thanks to Netflix and, yeah. and streams um, that works like it. That was the point I was trying to make. I was trying to circle back to that because in, in, in the old days, you had to have like a, a boardroom of execs like green lighting your film and they would yeah. take all the, they would sand all the rough edges off of it to the detriment of the film sometimes. Sure. Um, whereas streaming platforms, like you said, they're just like, we need new ideas, fresh ideas. What's the newest creative thing? that we want. It could be the next big thing that'll bring subscribers to our, our, uh, our platform. And that's that's what they want in, uh, sure. more than anything. Because uh, everyone's always wanting the, new The barrier new for things. entry is, is, is lessened, certainly. Um, so I don't know what kind of format you guys wanna do this in. Um, those are most of my overall thoughts. Um, I wanna drop a few, I guess I kind of cheated by writing down ones that I think, that, you know, indies that became non-indies. Uh, but I've always gravitated towards them um, you know, as a wannabe artist and a, a creative, but also just a lover of film in general. Like, you know, I loved Jurassic Park. You know, I liked Star Wars, um, but the, the the gritty, unpolished, 
has always been my favorite. Like I spent so much time watching the shitty B tier action films and, and like even ones I don't even remember that just, I rented them over and over and over. Like I was called Viking. It was some kind of eighties dude had a sword and muscles and, um, whatever. That's all like, you need. What yeah. yeah. What do you need, man? <laughs> so, uh, but in the indies that became non indies in my mind, like, like Juno, you know, Diablo Cody's career, we already mentioned, uh, link later and the gang, um, like Juno is distributed by 20th Century Fox, but I, I still think it counts as an indie film, wouldn't you say? I would think so, yeah. Yeah, that's hundred percent. Little Miss Sunshine, you've mentioned that earlier, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I mean, that's everybody knows that film um, because it, it, and usually they blow up at Sundance and then that's how a lot of people know them. Yeah, um, they get their distribution through there. Same thing I would say with Safety Not Guaranteed, but if you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend it. You're probably a big fan of that, right, Steve? It's I pretty sci-fi. Oh, I, I think love you would movie. love that movie. I've always meant to watch it. Um, but I, I just haven't gotten around to it. And Are you I, a fan I, of Aubrey Plaza? Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love Aubrey Plaza? Uh, I just the, the, the writer of that movie. I just find interesting that he makes that, and then he goes on to make. He writes Jurassic World, and then Rise of Skywalker. Well, and it's like yeah, he oh, got, yeah, he got fired from Rise World, of Skywalker because of Book of Henry. Yeah, uh, it was Colin Trevorrow, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So, but the safety not guaranteed is awesome, and you can see why they thought this was the makings of uh, a very talented person. And it may still be like I don't want to like knock the guy too much, but I always this is a weird aside, but you know I listen to a ton of podcasts. I, I listened to Colin Trevorrow on a on a podcast. I want to say it was um, who does that show ID Ten T. It was the creator of Nerdist, Chris. Hardwick, who's since been canceled as well. America's uh, Butters? Yes. <laughs> America's Butters. That's, that's amazing. That's what I've always called Chris Hardwick. That's amazing. <laughs> I think it was on the Nerdist podcast. But anyway, it was when he was first offered the job to helm Rise of Skywalker. And it was this long monologue about <laughs> it was so embarrassing now. It was like Colin saying when he was a young boy, he was a huge Star Wars fan. And he told his friend or his family, somebody that didn't believe in him, he was either that or he got like a premonition of something embarrassing in retrospect. I will one day make a Star Wars film. And he was like, and now look at me. And then like three months later, Book of Henry debuted and they fired him from the, and, and I remember thinking immediately like, awkward, like <laughs> your vision was, was a was a monkey's paw. Like, you know what I mean? like, to be fair, his movie probably would have been better than what we got. Absolutely. So. <laughs> I mean, it would be hard not to be. And I don't mean I'm not laughing at him. I don't wish ill on anyone. I just thought you know, Andy and I specifically has this have this thing about dark cringe humor. Like I can call Andy like the other day. I was like, Andy, I went to the gym to improve myself. You texted me this too. <laughs> Accidentally because you're in that thread. But I knew Andy would laugh because he thinks this kind of shit's funny, literally. But I walked in the gym and shit myself and went home and that was my day, right? Like, and I knew Andy's gonna like, yes, like that's, I live for this. How dare you try to be better than you are, you know? Actually, when you, it's funny, when you texted me that I was actually texting, texting my boss at work, boss at work, and so like I texted him, I put my phone down waiting for his reply. I got the message like, you got you got a text. So I look at my phone and I, and I don't see your name. I just see like, I walked into the gym and just took a shit and left. And I just thought like, why the fuck would he tell me this? And I scrolled up and saw it was him like, oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's, oh, that's so Chris. That, that, yeah, that's so Chris. I don't remember why I was, oh, I was, I was just saying, yeah, that's I don't so wish baby. ill on Colin. But uh, anyway, but let's delve in. We're running out of time. Again, I am uh, a talker. 
So I got some ones I want to shout out. So anyway, I want to plug. These are why these are not mentioned. We assume you've seen these. Uh, I'll keep going from safety, not guaranteed. Uh, Robert Eggers, I think, has is beyond indie now like the mm-hmm. witch immediately catapulted mm-hmm. him yeah i never him. saw lighthouse lighthouse uh, you definitely gotta watch it yeah. uh, apparently northman's Wild. his newest film i'm so excited for is not considered an indie film it's got a much bigger budget uh, so i'm really excited for northman um but also ari aster i think you know director of hereditary and uh midsommar i think kind of elevated beyond did i say that pretentiously accurate Elevated beyond. I always just called it Midsummer. I mean, I think that's fair. Yeah, I but think that's spelled Samar. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. Uh, and then uh, I would also say Alex Garland, uh, ex Machina fame, is mm-hmm. oh, elevated. Him. Isn't that such a goodie? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I didn't. I should have checked, but I hope I'm not saying movies from your list. Um, so I don't want. I've been talking for a while, Steve. Why don't you mention a movie or three that you really want to plug? So uh, that has a, like a smaller audience with my with my notes whatever. i kind of went down and i had like i wrote down synopsis directors who starred in it the budget the box office and i think it'd be fun if i read the synopsis of these films and you guys guess what it is okay okay some of these i think you can get steve I don't know loves games and i, I love games. game for that all right i'm gonna so the first one i have synopsis vampire housemates try to cope with the complexities of modern life and show a newly turned hipster some perks of being undead uh, what we do in the shadows? Boom! Twenty fourteen is what we do in the shadows. That's on my list too. Yeah. Such a good That's indie film, directed movie. by Taika Waititi and Jemaine Clement, starring Jemaine Clement, Taika Waititi, Jonathan Burt Brew. Is that how you pronounce his name? And uh, your namesake, Stu. Stu. That's where Stu was born. <laughs> Fun fact: I was when I was doing research for this movie. Apparently, Stu, the the actor, is actually his name is Stu Rutherford. Nice. And he was, uh, I think, a college friend of Taika and Jemaine. And Taika, Taika told Stu that his role was far less than what it actually was so that he would not be nervous on set for fucking it up. And then he, when he saw the movie, he was like, wait, I'm in this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that movie had a, a budget of 1.6 million and the box office gross of 7 million. I can't. I know that that's an incredibly tiny budget, but like if someone gave us. A million. $1.6 million to oh make a movie. God. First, they would rue the day. Yeah. Because right. yeah. <laughs> it would be called coming in your ear holes. <laughs> uh, indie darling. Yeah, uh, what we do in the God. shadows is just great. Like, it's filmed really well. It's so super good. witty. Like, that was the first movie. I know he had made Boy before this, but, like, that was the first time I had really kind of... Uh, you know, become aware of Taika Waititi, who has since become one of my favorite directors and personalities, you know, of all time. Um, I was a huge fan of Jermaine Clement going into this. So just having him in the movie was like what got me in. Reese Darby's also in this. who was a huge Fly of the Concords fan. I was like, well, it's a bunch of New Zealanders being zam- vom- uh, vampires. I'm in. Um, it's such a good, such a good movie. And it, it's birthed the TV show on FX. Um, that Are you a you fan of that show? Should, I am a fan of that show should definitely check that out i've only caught a couple episodes of it as much as i fucking love that movie i just never got a really around to the show i watched a couple episodes with chris but what i saw of it i super duper liked yeah i think i think we mentioned in our best of 2020 episode there's an episode of the second season of what we do in the shadows that is like one of the funniest fucking episodes of tv i've ever seen in my life jackie daytona go watch it i have to get back into that show um uh, andy do you have one we can go around the table i I have one that steve i need you to watch this movie so badly. I was made for $25,000. It's called One Cut of the Dead. Um, that's good the found, It that's is. Is that that's the found is that the found footage uh, zombie movie? Yes. Kind of say sort of kind, kind of. of. Yeah. There's not a ton I can say about it because you need to go into this movie without knowing anything about it. You I, ju- you just need to watch it. I blind um, bought it 
on Amazon. Um, and I don't regret it at all. There's, there's a, the first like 10 minutes, you're like, this is fucking atrocious. Are you kidding me? <laughs> um, I mean, that, and that's really all I can say, yeah, but yeah, yeah, holy yeah, yeah. fucking shit, watch that movie. Okay. I, I mean, as a filmmaker or, you know, want to be filmmaker, whatever we stylize ourselves as, I, it's a must see. And yeah, um, it's 25 G's and it is one of my favorite movies. What year was it? Uh, 2017. Okay. One, and that's for those at home, that's one cut of the dead. Uh, I want to plug, uh, so I was looking at my movie shelf for some that I hadn't wouldn't have thought of otherwise maybe and i found uh i don't even know again i don't know if this counts but it is to me um it's a movie called winter's bone have you guys ever seen this what jennifer lawrence yeah that sounds like her the movie that made her the de- the, the butt of uh <laughs> that's the not debut. a good that's not a good thing to say with jennifer lawrence it's the debut uh, <laughs> oh, no. uh the, the debut of jennifer lawrence and so i was a huge jennifer lawrence fan still i'm a big fan of j-law um, and started like digging through um, her filmography. Um, so the the IMDb plot summary is an unflinching Ozark mountain girl hacks through dangerous social terrain as she hunts down her drug dealing father while trying to keep her family intact. Um, absolutely. Uh, I absolutely adored this movie. It's written and directed by Deborah Granick. Um, and the reason I like Jennifer Lawrence so much, other than being uh, a huge talent and very beautiful, was that she's from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, not mm-hmm. too far from where I hail. I actually lived for a year in the away. Yeah. Oh, don't bring up a knight's tale to talk about it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I love that movie. Um, it's a great movie. Fung you, Steve. <laughs> if you talk about it, I'll take mine now. <laughs> uh, but I own it on Blu-ray. I went through a period in my life where I lived right down the street from a family video. And this is still long after the death of Blockbuster, but this family video near us lived until quite recently. Yeah. And so I, it was when Mason was uh, an infant and the only way I could get him to sleep was to walk him in his stroller and it was right i was only a year sober so i didn't really have a job or not i didn't work very much and so i was kind of a mr mom is what some lady was used to like smoke cigarettes in this apartment complex i lived in and i always always was walking around with the stroller reading a novel waiting for mason to fall asleep and she'd always go mr mom and it's <laughs> <just> like <laughs> fuck you i'll get a job eventually because i knew she meant it negatively oh, maybe man. she didn't maybe she was proud of me whatever but i would i would walk mason up to family video and let him sleep while i walked around the movie shelves and just buy they had really cheap deals on blu-rays and i picked up winter's bone um i adore this movie it crushed me i had a good cry and i saw immediately what the world saw in jennifer lawrence and why she was chosen for hunger games and and super stardom um and anyway that's that's all i'll say about winter's bone steve what's your next film you want to plug so the next film i want to plug uh, again reading the synopsis Nick Naylor, a lobbyist for Big Tobacco, finds it difficult to balance his duties defending the dangerous substance uh, with those of being a good role model for his young son. Thank you for smoking. Boom. 2005. Andy, two for two. I love that movie. 2005's Thank You for Smoking, written and directed by Jason Reitman, starring Aaron Eckert, Maria Bello, uh, Adam Brody, Sam Elliott. Kate, it's a huge cast. You're Rob on a Lowe, roll, David man. Kochner, William, William H. Macy. I wrote William J. Macy. Uh, it's his cousin. <laughs> J.K. Simmons. Budget of $10 million. Box office of $39.3 million. Fun fact. Smash it is, hit. In its original release only released in five theaters wow really nationwide yeah wow yeah so that i that is a that is a movie that i feel like a lot of people know um i don't think it's truly stood the test of time uh because you know I, I feel like back in 2005 everyone was talking about thank you for smoking or that was a pretty popular movie at least in the circles i uh frequented but uh i was 
around that time period was when I kind of first became aware of Aaron Eckert as an actor. And I've always liked him. Um, he hasn't been in a lot of stuff recently, but in the mid to late 2000s, he was like on a tear of being in like a bunch of really good movies. And a couple of awful ones. Remember that one yeah. where he had to go to the center of the earth to like... The core? Yeah, dude. And there's also uh, Frankenstein in that I Frankenstein movie. <laughs> oh, God, I forgot about that. <laughs> Thank You for Smoking was before Juno. That, yeah. That blows my fucking mind. Yeah. So when I think of Jason Reitman, who's one of my very favorite directors of all time, um, and thank you so much for bringing him up. You're, I always think thank of, you for smoking. I always think of uh, Up in the Air. Oh, yes. That's another one. I almost that, put Up in the Air on my list. That movie, for whatever reason, I mean, obviously, it's amazing, but I, I watched that so many times. Yeah. There, there's a, a shot in movie. Up in the Air. It's the shot of uh, George Clooney looking out the window while it snows. That mm-hmm. happens after a pretty climactic part in the movie like that. Yeah. I still think of that daily like because that, that was such a powerful scene at the time to me. George Clooney, another Kentucky star. Mm-hmm. Right. That's two. It's the only two. He went to NKU, Chris. <laughs> did, you know that? Did, you know, did you know George Clooney went to NKU? <laughs> he visited one time. Yeah. Um, okay. And Andy. Oh, God. Um, Never so seen it. I, I wanted to bring up. And I honestly am not sure. And we kind of mentioned it before when we alluded to Daniel Radcliffe. But again, an indie film, what I call an indie film, that's one of my favorite of all time, um, directed by the Daniels. Ah, uh, uh, yes. yes, the uh, Daniels. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, that movie is so fucking good. Uh, Swiss Army Man, I'm sorry, I didn't say the name. <laughs> uh, Swiss, Swiss Army Man, scar- starring uh, Daniel Radcliffe and- um, Paul Dano. Paul Dano. Uh, it is a movie about a dude that gets stranded on an island who finds a bloated corpse played by Daniel Radcliffe played by by Daniel Radcliffe (laughs) whose body bodily functions he uses to survive it is heartfelt it is genius it is hysterical it is occasionally very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and intentionally so but it has so much to say about like what it means to be an outcast and to come how to come to terms with the things that make you unique and who you are and not not just to come to terms with them but embrace who you are despite what the world would have you be sometimes in a really uncomfortable way the way they present it anyway um and uh that movie just speaks to me in the craziest ways i had a friend come to visit uh like a year or two ago and uh we, we were hanging out watching movies. We, we had just watched um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and he loved that movie, and I was like, oh, that was okay. But dude, you gotta fucking watch this movie, Swiss Army Man, it's so fucking good. And so we sit there and watch it, and I'm just sitting there like geeking out because this, this movie's incredible. It's so much fun, it's so creative. The set yeah. design is beautiful and unique and weird. And I look over to him after it's over, and I was like, so what'd you think? He's like, eh. He, he literally like shrugged, <laughs> turned his hand up, palm up. How could said, you just eh. say, eh, to that insane movie? Yeah, you either have to hate it or love it, and that's yeah, the hallmark of a good That's movie. 100% a movie you either love and you get it, or you just don't get it and you hate it with every fiber of your being. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand anybody that hates that movie. It, it truly is a marvel of cinema that, that is so heartfelt and so unique that that movie more than just about any other movie i've seen makes me love the craft of filmmaking 
That just, movie has my favorite line in a movie in the last like 10 years. If you don't know Jurassic Park, you don't know shit. Yep. Yeah. Yep. If you don't know Jurassic Park, you don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's how Steve has lived his life. Danny. AJP, BJP. That's how I live my life. <laughs> Whereas I have lived my life one quarter mile at a time. Hey, man, you can have any beer you want as long as it's Corona. <laughs> <laughs> so I noticed another pattern looking at my list, uh, other than that mine aren't as good as y'all's picks, but it's okay because I also love those movies. You're so having, I feel like you're having great you're picks speaking so far. with me. Um, but uh, I wonder how many of these films started as uh, proof of concept short films. One, um, of, one of mine is. But I know ahead. at least two of mine are. And I'll just say them because I have so many. Um, but uh, Whiplash, Damien Chazelle's 2014 film. That was on my list. Oh, well, then I won't speak yeah. too much about it other than that movie. No, is we can talk about it now. That's the double fucking rainbow line listener that I brought up earlier. But also Short Term 12, a 2013 film also starring Brie Larson. It was written and directed by Dustin Daniel Cretton. Have you guys either have either of you seen I have it? not seen that. No, I haven't. That was have also Lakeith Stanfield's big breakout movie. Yes. So that's where everybody's like, holy shit, who's this guy? Um, but uh, Brie Larson I th- had already been in... Um, uh, Scott Pilgrim, of course, uh, but this was right before, uh, uh, quite a few years before Room, um, and everyone was talking about Short Term Twelve. Uh, and while Room destroyed me, and I love the depiction of a, a mother's bond uh, uh, with her son, because at the time I was very absent, and 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 my fiance and son were extremely close, and I started to marvel at that and try to get more involved. Uh, and it took, you know, spoke Room spoke a lot to me about, about trauma. Uh, and how it stays with you. And I just thought it was a beautiful, brave film. Um, but Short Term 12, you know, delves into mental illness and aloneness. And um, I, all I knew is that everybody loved this film. So I just kind of, back then I had the kind of free time where I would just like, oh, somebody likes this movie, let me see. Uh, absolutely shattered me. And uh, I, I highly, I would like to watch it with you guys, actually, if we ever find time to actually hang out. I'll allow it. Other than recording. <laughs> so um, was that one also based off the it was, short? It was. It was. Oh, shit. Um, and then Whiplash. So take it away, Steve. Let's talk about Whiplash, guys. I know we all love this movie. Oh, gosh. Uh, and Damien Chazelle is another one. Synopsis. Let me guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I realized I stole your... No, okay. no, you're fine. I mean, if, if listeners don't know, it's just about, you know, a jazz drummer who meets up with a jazz instructor. And it's it's about the, the, the spiral that can be in order to try to be the best in your craft, how that can kind of lead you down a dark path and it stars miles teller mm-hmm. uh and jk simmons a villainous jk simmons mm-hmm. which is or i mean i guess it's arguable and a lovely, I don't know, is it debatable no he's definitely he's definitely the villain yeah um but he's I think also the true villain like the football is coach that knows that they have to yeah push i mean he does i think greatness. the interesting part about that movie is that he does withdraw greatness right right so it's kind yeah. of like Anyway, that, that, that's cost, a movie that is yeah. that's that's a movie that's so like raw and uncomfortable to watch at times, and I mean it's beautifully shot. Obviously, it's a gorgeous looking movie. Um, like uh, J.K. Simmons, like something that I think says so much about that character is his line in the film where he says like the two most dangerous words in the English language is "good job." Uh, because he just feels like that isn't how you untap greatness. So he's like mentally abusing all of his students to get them to kind of crack under pressure and making them somehow better musicians. Right. And the final uh, scene in that movie is just fucking beautiful, but also just kind of like, it's amazing. Cause you feel like, wow, you know, this is amazing what they're doing. But then at the last second, you're just kind of like, ah, oh, that's not, I don't know if I should share that. 
And it, it, I feel dirty for feeling this way. Mm-hmm. But it, I'm, both actors are just so great in that movie. I'm not even a huge Miles Teller's fan, but he's like crushing it in that role. Yeah, he's fantastic. And J.K. Simmons is purely terrifying in that movie. And it's one of those movies that I, I've only seen once. I saw it on the on a plane flying from Las Vegas. And that movie, even though I saw it on a plane, it still like sticks with me. Like that is a film that kind of lives rent free in my brain at all times. So yeah, Whiplash is so goddamn good. Yeah. I saw a uh, really interesting tweet fairly recently about that. Um, In one of the most iconic scenes uh, when um, Miles Teller's character, uh, whose name I can't remember at the moment, goes to his- Neiman, I think? Neiman, that's right. Uh, When he goes to his first uh, band practice, and he first discovers how abusive the uh, conductor of the uh, band is. Um, he tells him to count out a- at a certain tempo and then starts uh, slapping him and saying, were you Not rushing, were you dragging? He actually, they. this is how good of a filmmaker Damien Chazelle is. He is actually counting at exactly the tempo yeah, that, the guy, that. Uh, that the guy told him to. And it's so, and that adds so much more to that scene to know that he actually had it right, but he's like, establishing dominance and making this guy question himself even though he knows he he does know his shit and right. you don't know that if you unless you're sitting there with a fucking metronome yeah but it's, it's just genius filmmaking yeah that movie's incredible if you guys um, wanted to know the budget was 3.3 million of course i wanted to know that the box office was 49 million have either and, oh go ahead what was it i was about to ask if either of you guys watched the short film that it was based on no, no. it is fantastic uh, it's pretty much exactly the same that that se- sequence that I was just talking about. It is that scene, and that is the short. Ooh. It's just a, a day in the life at the band practice or whatever. But and also starring J.K. Simmons. But interestingly, not Miles Teller. It's got uh, Johnny Simmons, Young Neil from uh, uh, Really Scott really? Pilgrim. Yeah, it's <laughs> way different. <laughs> what does that guy feel like knowing you went ahead and made that short film? I know. Yeah, we're gonna take you out, Young yeah. Neil. He's Sorry, used to Young it. Neil. He's used to it. And it originally, its limited release was only in six theaters. So, yeah, small release. Wow. I, this is I like New actually, York, LA, Austin, I'm guessing. Yeah, I, yeah, I assume. Uh, I, were you, I'm, I was surprised it was only a $3.3 million budget. Just to, even though there's very not, small. Even though there's not a lot going, there's no like special effects or anything in the movie, really. It's a car crash. It just <laughs> looks so beautiful. And the way it's shot, just they really use their budget well mm-hmm. in that film. Yeah. <laughs> And took some cut salaries for sure. Mm-hmm. I just want to do this role. Uh, and apparently, JJ Simmons like, "I'll do it if you let me fucking you know lift weights and get super shredded." I mean, that in the meantime, <laughs> something completely unlike anything we'd ever seen before. I mean, he's an he's an indie darling, you know what I mean? But he's always yeah. literally a darling in those films, usually because he's so lovable. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yep, that's Whiplash. Um, just buy it. Just fucking own all these on Blu-ray. Yeah, Don't seriously. be an asshole. Uh, <laughs> yeah, on streaming things. Don't be an asshole, <laughs> uh, Andy drop another plug so another one that uh was based off of a concept short film and then expanded into a feature film um are you familiar with the movie thunder road yes Yes. oh my god yes i I, so i've seen the short Mm -hmm. i have not seen the feature uh so i i've seen both the short is honestly my favorite short film of all time 100 percent agree it is genius it is beautifully acted it is funny it is heartbreaking the cinematography is really unique it's a mm-hmm. one take i think um, you can still watch it on vimeo yes it, it's yeah. still out there um jim coming cummins cummins that sounds right i, I don't have it right in front of me but yes it's jim right. cummings uh he wrote directed and starred in it and uh it 
won uh, the grand jury prize for shorts at uh, Sundance uh, when it premiered there. Well deserved. And uh, he, after that movie premiered, he got the uh, opportunity to expand it into a feature film and did so. Uh, it's about a cop who uh, basically his life kind of falls apart after the death of his mother. And uh, he, this occurs like while trying to uh, raise a young girl uh, as a single father. Um, it is heartbreaking, occasionally very funny, but kind of cringe funny at times because it, you're essentially watching a guy with unstable mental health just deteriorate. And uh, it is uh, just gut-wrenching at times. The performance that Jim Cummings, like he just came out of nowhere and it's just like, no, I'm actually like one of the best actors out there, by the way, guys. Um, yeah, just in that short... <laughs> Man, he's so powerful in that. So in the short uh, it is basically just it, it's at his mother's funeral and he is uh, up to give a, a eulogy and decides to uh, present a musical number as part of his eulogy. And that's all I'll say. Look up. Yeah. Thunder Road. Andy short begged film. me to watch this for a long time. And I finally did a year or three ago and I was blown away. Mm -hmm. I haven't watched the. Um, I've, I almost kind of don't want to watch the feature just because the the short is is so ingrained in my mind as mm -hmm. like being the quintessential short film. But what if it's the whiplash phenomenon? You know, I mean, I don't think it's nearly as popular as whiplash. Definitely sure. not. Um, so I, I'll say that the, the film does not live up to the insane standards set by the short film, but it is very very good, and I would encourage you guys to watch it. Jim Cummings is low key like one of the big indie filmmakers out there right now. Like if you look him up on uh shut up, Penny, <laughs> she suddenly hopped up on Steve's lap. Uh, he, he's just, if he's on, he's on Twitter and he's constantly just, he, he's almost like Kevin Smith where he's like, just do it. Just go out and make the fucking movie. You guys, you have everything that you need. Just go. If you have, if you got a phone, you got a fucking movie production studio in your hand go make a movie he's that kind of guy yeah and he's still out there making all these indies and uh he just had one um like this pseudo horror indie uh come out last year uh or no year before last but he he's just constantly working and he like edits himself and he's got like this shitty little editing studio in his garage and he like tweets about that and stuff the, the dude's awesome yeah man after our own hearts i'm gonna follow him on twitter right now should speaking of following Chris, how do you follow that? I can't. Um, <laughs> you guys are showing me up. So, um, I, again, I, I want to plug. This one is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's a 2013 film uh, mm. called Blue Ruin. I've, I've, mm. I know Andy's a I have big fan of this one as well. This. So this was written and directed by Jeremy Sonnier. Um, a huge fan of Jeremy's and we're, we're old pals. He doesn't know we are, but we are. <laughs> uh, he also he went on to direct uh, Green Room. Um, and before that, he directed Murder Party um, and his newest film was on Netflix and it's called Hold the Dark. He also directed a couple episodes of the newest season of True Detective. Uh, but the reason this movie is such a, an inspiration to me. So he makes Murder Party, this low budget horror film. Uh, and it also stars Macon Blair, who also became sort of a underground indie legend. Uh, Macon Blair directed um, I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. And he always acts in Jeremy Sonnier's movies. Um, have you seen Green Room? Uh, no, the Nazi movie. That's Such one of the ones I've always movie. wanted to because it looks so wonderful. good. So, Patrick Stewart's in that, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Jeremy Saunier is um, gritty, brutal filmmaker, um, but with a heart, with a heart of gold. Um, 
I absolutely adore his work. So Andy and I did a different film show that we've scoured from the internet, um, but because we also talked about politics a little too much, it was in the early areas of the of the Trump apocalypse. Yeah, we we got inevitable. carried away, uh, as always we all did. But anyway, um, I was a huge fan of uh, Jeremy Sunyes, and I ended up uh, getting to talk to the producer of Blue Ruin and all his films, and also his wife, Sky Sunye. Uh, and she, I don't even know that I should say this, but maybe Steve can decide later and edit it or whatever, but she was so, and maybe there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just being paranoid. It just feels like a personal thing. She was so unbelievably kind to me for just reaching out and being like, Hey, I love you guys. I love all your movies. I love the story behind the movie, which I'll tell in a second. Um, I would really love to talk to you. And so she ended up like emailing me and give me her email contact info and we talked a couple times she actually did an interview for us for the show which was amazing uh and then i don't even remember how it happened but i ended up i i, I go to new york a lot because i love new york city and i'm very pretentious and i want to pretend like i live there and, uh, and i got my <laughs> shit together and uh she agreed to like meet me for coffee in brooklyn um and I just thought that that was amazing. And wow. like, you don't know me, but that would that would be amazing. Thank you. Yes. You know, <laughs> like, and so like I almost thought like she's not serious. So I actually went I like took a bus not for that. But I was going up there for something else. But I took a bus to New York and I'm like walking around Brooklyn and I like text her and I'm like, hey, I'm here. And she's like, oh, here I come. And I was like, oh, really? Like, <laughs> she'll come. Yeah. And she like sat and talked to me about, you know, how I should pursue my dreams and how, what their their lives were like and uh but anyway so this film is such an inspiration to me uh and i really recommend you watch it steve because the story is hilarious so jeremy as i remember correctly so jeremy sonnier was like a corporate uh photographer like he was the director of photography for like commercials and stuff for corporate things um i don't even know what that looks like but it kind of reminds me of you i know like you yeah, do a lot of stuff like basically that. what we do yeah yeah so that's what he made his money doing and he made Murder Party with his wife and his friends. And it was it's okay, right? It's a good horror film. It's low budget. But it didn't, like, blow up is what I mean. Uh, and so he had this idea for Blue Ruin. And it just it was going to take a little bit more money than they're used to. Um, and Andy, go ahead and Google the budget for that, if you would, for me. Um, for Blue Ruin? Yes. Okay. So what he did was he quit that job. And uh, he and Sky had a considerable amount of money, like, saved up. But, like, in their 401k. Like, this is retirement money. They cashed all of that out and they put it into blue ruin four hundred and twenty thousand four hundred and twenty thousand dollars and so they made blue ruin like basically like hey fuck it we are either going to and like when i was having lunch with sky she was like don't do that you know what i mean like <laughs> follow your dreams do whatever it's like don't do that uh we got really lucky uh but I don't I don't agree. I think they're insanely talented, good people. And uh, Blue Ruin is fucking amazing. So what it's about, I should have said that uh, it's about basically a homeless man whose parents were murdered when he was a boy and you know became a drunk and a, a vagrant. Uh, lives on the beach in, in California. And he hears that the murderer, uh, the person who killed his parents, is being released from prison and kind of decides to be an assassin. Uh, and is kind of a pretty talented makeshift assassin out of nowhere. Um, but I just think that that story, anyway, it was it became an indie darling at film festivals and launched his career. Um, and it's it's just awesome. It's awesome. Um, so that's just like, that's my ultimate dream. And I always call Andy and I'm like, hey, man, just I'm going to just spend everything I got on this. Or what do you, and he's always like, 
I don't think that's a good idea, man, but we should do, you know what I mean? Like he's always a good friend about, you know, Sky said, don't do that. Uh, but I'm always tempted because it's like, I mean, but it fucking worked, you know, or like Kevin Smith, the, Maxed the inf- out all his credit cards, the infamous yeah. story. Yeah. I mean, he's just like, fuck it, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, but it would be fun. It would totally be not to be a downer, but it would totally be my life where it would be like. No one likes that movie. You get 37 views on Vimeo and you're in debt. <laughs> I, I remember seeing uh, uh, one of the times I saw Kevin Smith speak live, somebody asked him uh, in the making of Clerks after Max Allen's credit card, selling his comic book, all that stuff, what if the movie had failed? And uh, his answer was, I would have sat around and paid it off until I could afford to do it again. And it's like, and that's Maybe such a, it's so true. Like the, he, that dude is just committed to his craft, even if his movies aren't all great, you know what I mean? But no, like, but he loves doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And super so, passionate. And th- that, that's a big part of why I love him. Like, because, and, and that's one of the ones that like, it's felt like low hanging fruit to bring it up with clerks. It's one of the best ending movies sure, ever. Yeah. Sure. Because it, it just spawned so much for me. Mm-hmm. So much. I, uh, so much of my identity is wrapped up in Kevin Smith movies. It's you crazy. You blossomed into the man you are <laughs> today. <laughs> Steve, what do you got next? Uh, so next up, I think, is the movie that is the most obscure out of all my lists, but it is a very important Let's one. See if Andy can get it. <laughs> uh, I, I, you guys might be able to get it because I'm pretty sure I've told you guys about, you specifically about it before. I haven't talked about it on air, but uh, after a young bird moves from San Fernando Valley to Echo Park. She learns that she has to become a woman, whether she wants to or not, when she gets her first period. Oh, uh, you were just talking about this the other yeah, day, but I, don't I still that's don't remember the title. So the movie is called Girl Flu. That's right, that's right. Came out in 2016, uh, written and directed by Dory Barton, um, starring Katie Sackoff, Jade Pettyjohn, Jeremy Sisto, uh, Judy Re- Reyes is in it. Uh, couldn't find info on the budget or their box office numbers, but so... What, so what the movie is about is a young girl, um, she gets her period for the first time, and she does so when she's on like a class field trip. She's wearing white jeans. All the other students start making fun of her because obviously it stains her pants. And her mom, who's played by Katie Sackhoff, is like this like stoner mom. She's not really present. She's not really the best of moms. Um, and she goes to her mom and is like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. Why do I have to have periods? And she's like, well, it's a part of becoming a woman. She's like, fuck that i'm not doing it so it's this girl who's doing everything she can to not have a period ever again but it's this really beautiful movie where it's like it's it's i've never watched a movie before that really treated the the act of having a period and what it means to be a woman and you know growing into a woman from a young girl it treats it with such respect like there's a lot of jokes in there and it's really heartfelt comedy but it treats it with such respect and it's a very grown-up conversation because you know when's the last time you've been to a movie that didn't talk about a period in a way that wasn't like ew gross periods you know what i mean right yeah uh and like basically from a man's perspective and and also basically from man's perspective 100 percent um and it also the relation between the relationship between the mother and the daughter is very sweet and heartfelt because the the mother goes through her own journey she kind of learns how to be a better better mom um uh the the mom has a boyfriend in the movie and as i was watching it i kind of felt like they're going to make this boyfriend the bad guy, you know? Right. But really the boyfriend becomes like this incredibly great anchor for the mom. And it's just a sweet, caring dude. And there's like a really funny scene where the, the daughter is trying to like seem, you know, way more important uh, to her classmates who have just made fun of her. And the boyfriend comes to pick her up from school. And then the, the daughter's like, Oh, 
this is my boyfriend. Yeah, it's Jim. We met online and the guy's like looking around and he doesn't know what to do, but he doesn't want to upset the daughter. She's like, yeah, we're, we're in love. Honey, you, let's let's go to that aerobics class. We scheduled. Come on. <laughs> and so the ongoing joke from that on is like anytime he's like out in public, there's like kids are like, hey, that's the guy who's dating my friend. He's like, no, no. Uh, but it's really, really sweet. I saw it at, um, so in 2016, I was part of a film festival class and part of our, you know, big tri- trip. We actually like went out of state. I went, we went out of state to Indiana uh, to, <laughs> to volunteer at the Heartland Film Festival, uh, which is a, which is a fairly big film festival. It's probably the biggest film festival in the Midwest. We've submitted to it. We've um, been denied to it. <laughs> But I mean, that was a great experience because what you would do is you would go, you would work like a two hour shift or like a four hour shift. And then the rest of the day, you can go see whatever movie you fucking wanted for free. And that's, you know, and so I got to see a ton of like really cool, interesting indie films that, you know, didn't really get much success. I think the biggest film there that weekend was probably the, I think it was called The Book of Love. It starred Jason Sudeikis and Maisie Williams. It's not a good movie. It's actually really bad. Hmm. But uh but I also like got to meet uh, John Reese Meyer or John Reese Davies uh, from Lord of the Rings fame. Uh, I ran into Brian Dennehy, which was like the funniest interaction ever because everyone was like, "Here, oh, that's Brian Dennehy." He's like, "Nope, John Goodwin, John Goodman coming through." And like, <laughs> <laughs> rest in peace. Um, but we saw Girl Flu, and it was amazing. The best part of it was at the end of it, the producer. One of the producers, I, I can't remember his name. I tried to look him up, but there were two producers and I don't know which one he is. So I'm not going to give a name to him because during the Q&A, it was very clear that this producer was shit face. Nice. And I think it was the kind of shit face where like, oh, a lot of people are watching my movie. I Then I have to talk in front of them. I need to get drunk because otherwise I can't do this. Like He was giving yeah. that vibe. But uh, he said something in his Q&A that has always stuck with me. Someone stood up and said, hey. I'm an aspiring filmmaker. I uh, want to make a short film and get my name out there. Do you have any suggestions for someone like me? And his response was, no one gives a shit about your short film. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. Thank you, sir. (laughs) But Girl Flu is amazing. You can actually uh, stream it for free uh, if you are on Amazon Prime. Awesome. And I highly suggest watching that at some point. All right. Andy, nice. what else you got for us? So the last one I wanted to talk about was, um, so I said before, when I thought of indie films, the immediate one that came to mind was Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And sure. it's my favorite film of all time. I think it's infinitely rewatchable. Uh, Michelle Gondry is an awesome filmmaker. After he made that, he made a movie called The Science of Sleep, which was pretty good. That was 2006. In 2008, he made a movie called Be Kind, Rewind. Mm. Do you remember watching yes, that? Yes, I do. We In were your on, basement. We were on acid, and we watched this movie, <laughs> and it was a weird trip. And uh, I, I went back to it later and confirmed how much I love it. That movie is amazing. It is about two guys who, uh, one works, it stars Jack Black, Most Def, and Danny Glover. Um, one guy works at a movie store. He has a weird conspiracy theory friend. And for plot reasons, this guy becomes magnetized and uh, the the walks into the VHS store that most Steph works at and accidentally wipes every VHS in the store. And so when a customer comes to rent, they, they're like, oh, my God, what do we do? Uh, a customer comes to rent a movie. I think it's Ghostbusters. And uh, she's never seen it before. And they're like, you know what? She's never seen it. Let's film it ourselves and she can still rent it. She won't know the difference. And so they do this crazy, low budget, terrible, like 
cardboard box costume type movie and film it and deliver it to her. And then they get like this reputation for their movies. So people will come to rent a film and they have to figure out how they can make it with no budget whatsoever. And it shows like all these super cool creative techniques that they use to try try to pull off these big stunts that are, are impossible. Like, you know, like shooting uh, from pointing at the ground and they're like, laying on the ground to do like action sequences and stuff and like their costumes are continually awful but elaborate and it, it's just a, a wonderful movie makers movie uh, but even if you don't make films it's just quirky weird fun it's got it's kind of a uh, similar vibes to uh portions of uh a swiss army man that i brought before mm-hmm. where like the just the design of it is wonderful yeah i haven't seen that movie since that acid trip so oh, i should probably watch it back yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm not sure if it's streamable i'm gonna look that up uh, I just, I, Steve, you have like one more film as well, right? I have a couple, but I can like trail through them. I don't need to give them the. Well, full, that's all I was going to do. Business. I know, I know, we're running long, and I, I didn't. I wrote down more like a selfish motherfucker, so I just want to talk briefly. So, just spend time, look these up if you're interested, or you can't find anything to watch one night. It would mean a lot to me. I think these are all very special to me uh, from recent years. I've talked about Raw by Julia Ducourneau quite a bit. Please watch that movie if you haven't yet. Uh, Shiva Baby, I saw this year, and it has stuck with me. I think that'll be if we were to do this episode five, six, seven years from now shiva baby would be one that i would mention like god i still can't forget this film it's amazing um very small budget and very and i think um rachel sanat is going to be a huge talent that we talk about hey remember when she did shiva baby and now we all know who she is because she's hilarious and awesome uh that's going to be her uh, but i do want to plug a couple other movies um another one that's very special to me and i don't want to wax overly long that's why i wanted to rush through some of the other ones in fact let me end on it um so also captain fantastic written and directed by matt ross also came out in 2016 a lot of the movies on this list was 2016 what a fucking phenomenal year for film mm-hmm. um, agreed captain fantastic stars vigo mortensen um if you were did you ever watch that movie Andy? i didn't know um so uh, just real quickly vaguely i don't want to have any spoilers or anything so i'm going to kind of like be kind rewind the the plot summaries of them uh but just imagine a very uh intellectual survivalist type father trying to raise a family in the woods without technology or societal influences uh and i learned a lot about not that i wanted to be that extreme but about the kind of parent that i wanted to be uh and how i wanted to kind of let my kids uh figure things out on their own and uh spend a lot of time learning and blah 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 blah. but it's uh extremely touching and unique and i think it says a lot about you know raising kids in america um also personal shopper uh written and directed by (laughs) olivier aceas have you guys seen this film i have i've seen parts of it so i didn't want to um really talk too much about it because this film won a lot of like international film awards and i'm sure a lot of people have seen and know about this film but it, it really is what kind of started the Kristen stewart assance for me like i was always a fan of hers i was always thought hey this, you know i like the twilight movies i love vampires she seems nice right that's how it was i really like into you the wild nice who's the young lady in panic room she's gonna be a keeper you know like i like i just saw like hey it was cool this movie blew my fucking mind um for the 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 raw talent that is within her um and it's very it's sort of a contemplative not quite a horror film but it's definitely not feel good uh, I guess in a way it is. It's a thinker. You know what I mean? Like for sure. I, I've never forgotten it. Like the two in the morning viewing that I've given of this film. Um, so I highly, highly recommend that you watch this movie. Uh, also, 
The Handmaiden by uh, Park Chan Wook. Uh, I, I don't good know. Pull. Good I, pull. I don't know that it's an indie filmmaker. Like he's uh, he's big overseas, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're not that into foreign films, I think you should really give this one a try. I mean, this is just. You cannot shoot a movie more perfectly uh, or beautifully than this. Like, it just makes me never want to pick up a camera. How gorgeous this film is. Uh, how brave it is. Uh, it is very sexual. So, you know, be ready for that. But at the same time, um, legendarily, like, painstakingly well thought out on how to do a, an extremely sexual movie if that makes sense like uh this is the movie like andy and i we've talked about this before when we shot the sex scene for a short film with steve um steve and i were not the stars together but god Sadly. i wish we had been uh this is the movie that we used a lot to research like how it was done because he took a lot of pains to have like a, an all-female crew for certain scenes and just be very conscious of the actor's uh, feelings and safety and um, so uh, this movie again one of those ones I just cannot stop thinking about like uh, why did he think to do that or how did he think to do that or how did they get that done or get that paid for like it's just one of those um, absolutely bizarre wonderful beautiful movie so that's it those are all mines except I want to plug this one it's called Lock and actually Alex who we wanted to get back on the show mentioned that he wanted to talk about it um, it's written and directed by Stephen Knight have you guys seen this movie Mm. No. Yeah, that's the car movie with Tom Hardy, right? I mean, that seems reductive. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> the car and movie. So Tom this movie, it's really good. This movie, the one that's not Mad Max. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie stars Tom Hardy, one of my absolute top five favorite actors, uh, and the entire film is Tom Hardy driving in a car, talking to various other actors on not actors but characters on. The, the car phone, not a car phone, the fucking phone, but it's coming <laughs> through the car speakers as, as phones do now. Uh, Bluetooth. <laughs> so this movie is crazy good and engaging for being what I just described it. Like it's literally just there's this is no joke. It's not like a, a gimmick. And then it gets to the explosion. Like is literally the entire thing is just the amount of tension that is ramped up from the situation that he's in while he's talking on the phone. So if you don't know at risk of spoilers, but it's also the plot. Um, he's like a very uh, not famous, but successful construction company owner. He like pours concrete. Uh, better than anyone else in the world. Um, and so he's driving to, he, he cheated on his wife. He's got two kids, a uh, beautiful wife, a huge company. He's probably a millionaire. Uh, he's driving to the hospital, which is about two hours away because the woman with whom he cheated on his wife is uh, having his baby. Um, and so he's like, also, while that's going on, the biggest concrete job of his career is occurring and he's supposed to be there coordinating it. Um, and his wife doesn't know. So she keeps calling and he's like, honey, where did you put the, you know, she, she's like, where did you put the forks that we just bought? And he's trying to like, uh, I don't know, you know, be nice and not tell her that he's near suicidal and what he's doing. Right. And also he's answering all these phone calls about the catastrophe that's happening with this like $4 million concrete job. Um, anyway, the reason this movie has stuck with me is because every now and then they make a movie about something insanely specific that you're like, what? That just rings so true for an element of life that no one talks about, if that makes any sense. Um, and right around this time, uh, I was very... <sighs> I was struggling a lot in my relationship with my son's mother and I had uh, engaged in some infidelity. Um, and I had done that 
things like that a bunch of times in my life. You know, I told you, I, and you, everyone that listens to the show knows that uh, I'm an addict and I grew up doing a lot of things that were wrong societally and morally. And so there's always that feeling uh, when you inherently are a good person and you're, you know, the world doesn't judge you by your intentions though. And so you have to like face up to what you've done or like, I remember when I was a kid and I uh, spray painted an American flag and egg somebody's house. Um, I don't remember why, cause it was a fucking asshole. And like, I called my mom and she was always sick and always going through stuff and frequently angry. But that time I was calling her to tell her that I was getting arrested as a kid and I'm like 13, you know what I mean? And I'm, but she goes, Hey baby, do you have fun at your friends? Do you want to stay another night? Or do you guys need me to bring you some pizza or something? And like, I'm going to cry thinking about it. Like the feeling that I had in that moment of like, Oh, like I have to like destroy her now. Like what is wrong with me? Why did I do that? And like the fact that this film was able to encapsulate that feeling, because even though he cheated on his wife, which is awful and she's awesome and his kids are great. He was trying to do the moral thing. Like I can't leave this woman alone to have my baby. Do you know what I mean? Like I could easily just hide. She doesn't even ask me to be here. Like I'm a millionaire. Like I got a beautiful family. I'm just going to ignore it. But he would rather burn it all down and do what is now the right thing, quote unquote, and like be there at the hospital for her, even though everyone's going to find out and I'm going to lose my company and I'm going to lose my family. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. know. I'm t- I know I'm talking a lot, but this movie is like, it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I just can't imagine me writing this and like Andy being like, let's do it. Let's fucking, let's, let's sit you in a car for an hour and a half. You know what I mean? Like, so the balls of it also, I'm not Tom Hardy. Like that's okay. There's that. But like, I don't know. I just go watch this movie. It's like, oh, but anyway. those types of indies are the best where you watch it and be like, I could have made that, you know? Like yeah, hundred percent. They they just put they had, they had a great story and they did it. Filmed in a car for, mm-hmm. a, I'm sure several weeks. But yeah. Also, when I first saw this movie, because it's a 2013 film and I'm an idiot, um, but when I was reading the cast list for research today, the voice of the phone is Olivia Coleman, and I didn't know that. That's pretty um, cool. So, because again, it's just Tom Hardy and disembodied voices. I love her so um, much. She's Absolutely. Great. Anyway, go ahead, uh, Steve. Take us home. Well, I don't know how I'm supposed to follow that because that was like a beautiful, heartfelt story there. But let me tell you about the films I liked in high school. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So I have three more films. I'm going to breeze through the first two because they're admittedly not good movies. They've just stuck with me uh, because I like them and they're dumb and silly and I like them and I feel like more people should watch them. Uh, The first one came out in 2002 is directed and written by Kurt Wimmer. It is called Equilibrium. I actually, I love Equilibrium. Oh, yay, there's dozens of us. (laughs) It's a Matrix knockoff, but. Yeah, 100%. It stars Christian Bale, Emily Watson, Tay Diggs, Sean Bean, and William Fickner. There's two of us, I'm sorry. I I know when I say Sean Bean, a question probably pops in your head, and the answer is yes. Uh, If you don't know what this movie is, it is a futuristic world where a regime has eliminated war by suppressing emotions. And if you have emotions and engage in your emotions via artwork or books or reading or just, you know, crying, they kill you. Uh, And so they have these, you know, officers, they're called clerics that essentially go out and uh, 
snuff out resistance of people who have awoken their emotions and they realize, oh, life is beautiful and worth living. Uh, let's, you know, you know, rise up against this fascistic uh, regime that doesn't allow us to live as human beings. And Christian Bale plays one of those clerics. And throughout the movie, of course, of the movie, he actually forgets to take the dose of drug that kind of inhibits people's emotions. And he kind of awaken, awakens to the, the world and decides to join the... The resistance. Um, this movie stuck out to me because it's one of the first films I saw with my best friend Phil, and I remember watching it for the Shout first time. Shout out to Phil! Shout out to Phil! Uh, I remember watching this in his basement for the first time and absolutely loving it. Um, Chris mentioned it is definitely a Matrix knockoff, where it's a lot of like gun play. In fact, like this gun early gun foo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, love, I love this movie too. It's, the, it's basically Fahrenheit four fifty one set in the Matrix. Yeah, and, and I, there were a ton of Matrix knocks off, knockoffs around this time period, but I feel like this is the most successful in terms of taking the gun foo and making it their own because they literally call it gun kata, gun kata, where it's basically like you just are you just stand in the middle of a room and just shoot everyone before they can shoot you or also like you're having a fist fight with someone but you have guns and i like, literally probably will watch this when i get home from the show now it's been i haven't seen this since it came out it, it, it's it's a silly matrix knockoff um it had a 20 million dollar budget but only made five million so it was definitely like not a commercial Ooh. success um it also is very famous to me for having the shot of uh a certain character's face that gets cut off, but there's an overhead shot and it's clearly they've Xeroxed his face and just laid it on the ground. <laughs> it's an amazing effect. Uh, so that's Equilibrium. Go check it out. The other movie that I'm going to kind of blaze through is called Fanboys. Came out in 2009. It is about a certain a group of friends. Of course you love this movie. Dude. Uh, it's about a group of friends. They're huge Star Wars nerds. One of their friends has cancer and he's not going to survive to see the opening of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. So what they just decide to do is break into George Lucas's uh, Skywalker Ranch and steal a print of Episode One before it's released, so their friend who has cancer can see it. Um, it's directed by Kyle Newman, uh, written by Ernest Klein and Adam F. Goldberg. It stars a ton of people uh, before they got super super famous. Like yeah. right right on the so this movie was filmed in like 2006 2007, but it didn't release until 2009. So there's like a huge gap. So, like, Seth Rogen was filmed this before he got super popular. Uh, Jay Burchell, Dan Fogler, Sam Huntington, Kristen Bell, who is, like, was, like, my first, like, huge crush. Is like, Kristen like, Bell's in this movie? Yeah, she's, like, the one girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it also was a huge bomb. It had a $3.9 million budget, only made $960,000. It deserved more than that. It 100% did. Um, I did see... So it had a very limited run. And then in second expansion, the director... I feel like they made a ton of money on DVDs. Yeah, yeah, that's where they make their money for this film. But in the second expansion for the theatrical release, the director had a special screening in Columbus and I actually went and saw it. And that was a wonderful experience because we were super hyped for this movie because it had kept getting delayed and finally saw it. And um, the director was really, really sweet. And it was a, it was, it was a trip I went with a bunch of friends. And it was yeah. a good time. Uh, so if you like silly raunchy comedies and also love star wars fanboys is for you but the movie that i think is actually genuinely good that i really want to talk about is a movie from 2000 see if you can guess it from the synopsis in new york city in 1987 a handsome young urban professional lives a second life as a gruesome serial killer by night um american psycho boom American nice. Psycho, uh, direct, written and directed by Mary Heron. That was an indie? 
Yeah, buddy. Holy shit. Yeah, buddy. Uh, uh, Guinevere Turner is also credited as a writer. It's based off the Brett Easton Ellis book. Uh, this is such a dark and twisted movie. Um, it's very uh, uncomfortable. There's some really like raunchy sex in it. There's also some gruesome uh, violence in it. But uh, th- the thing that I love most about it is Christian Bale's performance in it. He is so emotionally deadpan but also he's not afraid to be like silly like i think this is christian bale at his most silly yeah ironically uh, ironically yeah his attempt at comedy <laughs> like there's a there's a scene where he like brings a drunk jared leto into a room and his and jared leto's literally laying on the ground and he's like putting newspaper on the ground around him and he's like where are you putting all that newspaper around and he starts playing huey lewis in the news and t- telling him all the history about the record of huey lewis in the news as he's as he's dancing around putting on a raincoat and he's like hey walter and then it starts axing him in the face fucking as violently as you possibly can and it's just a, a movie that purposely per perfectly encapsulates what an actual like because it's making fun of 1980s wall street that type of like yuppie and it really kind of encapsulates how that type of person could be an absolute incredibly insane serial killer and no one would know it because that's just the culture at the time right and uh it it originally was supposed to be nc-17 because there's a pretty graphic like threesome scene in it but they like chopped 18 seconds off that one scene to get it an r rating i want to see that 18 seconds damn yeah and i i didn't realize like it has some this also has really big names in it like we mentioned christian bale willem dafoe's in it jared leto josh lucas chloe sevigny's in it and i like complete like i i I always assumed chloe sevigny was like within the last 10 years of an actor. But this movie came out in 2000. This is a 21-year-old movie. I didn't know her career was that early. You well, know I think I mean? she's a big uh, 90s uh, persona, to be honest with you. Wasn't she, I don't want to say it and sound stupid, but I'm 99% sure she was in, uh, Wasn't I'll just say it. Wasn't she in Boys Don't Cry? I don't know. Reese Witherspoon and Justin Theroux are also in this. Matt Cross, Bill Sage. Uh, yes, she was. Reese Witherspoon's in it? Yeah, she's uh, his girlfriend. Like not like the one that he's cheating on the whole time. That has been way too long since I've seen it. Yeah, seven million dollar budget made thirty four point three million dollars. Um, this is one of the first. So my wife, we uh, our first date was I took her to a um, uh, oh shoot what is uh, I'm blanking uh, restaurant. No, it's it's. <laughs> Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, okay. okay. I I took her to a live performance of Rocky Horror Picture Show. And then we capped the night off by going home. And she's like, "Uh, you want to watch a movie? And I'm like, sure. And she's like, well, what's one of your favorite movies? I'm like, American Psycho. The perfect movie to watch on a first date. Yeah, first date for sure. Yes. Because, again, I think American Psycho is one of those movies that. like me, dude. (laughs) Hey, you know, it worked, I guess. Uh, Yeah, that's true. But it's one of those movies that you will hate it. I think most people probably would hate this movie, but I, I think it's just such a really well-made movie. Um, when I was in college, there was a composition class we took where you had to, you, you chose a movie, you chose a scene from a movie and you had to recreate it shot for shot. And you had to, and it was an exercise to kind of learn lenses and angles and stuff like that. And like how- you cho- Tell me you chose this one. I chose this movie. Uh, specifically, you know the scene where they're all in the boardroom and they're like, this is my business card. And I, like, I always think of the business card. He's cards. silently freaking like, oh my God, look at the offset typing on that business card. It's yeah. made with bone. Oh my, and he's like freaking out. And that, and just because, and it's just a simple scene of like a bunch of guys standing around a table, but that exercise taught me show, so much in blocking. Cause there's one shot in particular where it's an over the shoulder of 
Christian Bale looking at the three other gentlemen across the room from him. And, you know, we had them sitting across from each other. I had the camera behind the guy that I had playing uh, Christian Bale's character. And as I was sitting there, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I can't get all three of them in the same shot with your shoulder. How did they do this? I can't figure this out. And what we ended up doing was we just sat him like in actuality, he's like two seats away from them. So he's not directly across from them, even though that's the illusion you're depicting. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got the shot. And it taught me so much of like, oh, the frame of the camera isn't reality. I can do whatever I need to do to make the frame reality. And even if that means lying and cheating, you know what I mean? And 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 that is all... Are you telling me Frodo's not shorter than Gandalf? <laughs> no. Yeah, I think we... Uh, yeah, it's definitely thinking of the first perspective in that. Sit down, my young hobbits. <laughs> I'll actually pull that video up after we're done here and show you. But uh, yeah, so the American Psycho 2000. Go, go see it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, we do have, though, one last thing oh, we that's have right. to do. So uh, one of our listeners was so kind enough to call our voicemail and leave a voicemail and tell us about their favorite indie films. Uh, this, of course, is uh, Steve V, also known as Mr. V, Steve the Fifth. <laughs> right, right. And you you want to listen to his message? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do, it. Let's do that right now. Hey, you dudes. This is Stephen V calling again. Uh, last podcast, you asked for suggestions for little indie movies. Uh, I don't really have any new ones that came out recently, but I have a couple really good older ones. And by older, I mean like 10 years ago. But uh, one is called Sound of My Voice. Uh, probably like eight years old, something like that. Um, about a guy infiltrating a cult, um, a guy and a girl. And, uh, yeah, just really good. I uh, really enjoyed that fun ending. Uh, there's another one called Time Crimes. It is a Spanish movie, uh, probably like 15 years old. Um, really good. It's time travel. Um, this guy kind of gets stuck in a potential time loop. I don't want to give too much away, but uh, it's got some humor. It's, it's quirky. Uh, really good, though. And then last suggestion is a little movie called Splinter. Uh, probably came out like 15 years ago too. A really, really good little indie horror movie. Uh, this couple, uh, is, um, stuck at a gas station with a, uh, criminal and this, uh, entity, this creature, uh, surrounds them as they're stuck in there. So that's really good. Uh, it blew my mind when I watched it. I think it's like an IFC movie or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, those are great. You should watch those. Aside from that, there are some other movies that I know you guys have seen, like Swiss Army Man, um, things like that that are relatively new that were just amazing. Um, I love that movie so much, and the soundtrack is phenomenal. So, yeah, uh, thanks again for being awesome, and I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you, Stephen the Fifth. <laughs> yeah, really good job. I don't think uh, I, don't I haven't think seen I've any seen of those. Any of those. So You've seen Swiss Army Man. You just talked. Well, about yeah, it. I've seen Swiss Army Man. <laughs> but he, pre the, the he prefaced ones. that with other than the rest of them you guys have seen. seen. Yeah. So the ones that he didn't think we saw, that is true. I don't think I have. So I'm awesome. gonna look up that time crimes. Anything, yeah, for anything sure. called time crimes. I'm like, what? Yeah, I want to know more. That's that. a genre that I love. I thought, but it's a, in fact a movie. Um, Excuse but, me, gentlemen. Would you like to partake in a time crime? I would. <laughs> I would please. Um, is it Loki? It, it, thank you for calling in. And I was just thinking, 
Like that's what we love. Like we do this because we like talking to people who love movies about movies. Like that's ultimately, and I would, I I didn't get permission from Steve and Andy, but I often don't. Uh, I'm a little bit of a loose cannon as it were. Uh, but and this isn't You're so a much. loose cannon, Chris. You wrecked 20 cars. I need your gun and badge on my desk by Monday. <laughs> you ever done a desk pop? Um, so I, I'm, this isn't so much a petition, but we we are aware of. Uh, well, I won't. I won't start with that. If you would like to be a guest on this show, that's not impossible. Uh, if you're a fan of the show and you and you you think you have something that would be wonderful to add, um, we we are open to that, uh, especially. Um, regarding, you know, if you live somewhere else in the world or we're, we're woefully aware that we don't have much representation on this show. Uh, I don't think, I don't know that that excuses it just because we're not ignorant of the fact, but there's nothing we can really do about it because mm-hmm. we're nobody. And so, <laughs> you know, we can, uh, uh, in fact, I frequently do. If you follow me on Twitter, you're probably saddened by it, but I will frequently tweet at people whom I respect like, Hey, you should be on my, uh, my, my podcast. I'm the guy from, Godzilla Godzilla v. Kong. Kong. Yeah. And they're just like, eh, ignore that peasant. Uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully they don't Google then ignore that peasant. Um, but, you know, you can call into the voicemail and, and you know, uh, give it a shot. And we would like to uh, solve that. But we also don't want to be like weirdos, like just saying, hey, come here, Brazilian. Come here, uh, <laughs> we're talking about Terry Gillum's Brazil tomorrow. So we thought like, that's weird too, right? Like, uh, that was the stupidest thing I could Pop think of. Good movie, your best movie ever. <laughs> Actually, that might be a good segment where we could just walk the street and ask people movie questions. And harass people. <laughs> I don't know if you can phrase it that way. Uh, Andy's always wanting to do gorilla stuff that like that. I think that'd be cool. I'm super down. Take the field recorder out and just accost people. Yeah, well, that's it. not accost people. Guys. Favorite 99 no, no, film, no, no, go. No, 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 no. That's accost them. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. We're doing that. Uh, but anyway, I don't, that might be weird to just throw out there, but I'm just saying, like, we're open to that. But at the very least, we really enjoy your voicemails, like having a conversation about movies. Like, we, we love hearing your thoughts, uh, finding movies we've never seen because there's a ton of them. Yeah, um, I want to check out those uh, movies that Stephen V just uh, let us know about. Absolutely. So you can call that number, uh, which is in the show notes. I, I'll actually tweet it out this week. You can read it again, too, if you want to, Steve. That way they they know it plug it in put it in put us in your contacts streaming things <laughs> put us in our is contacts please 859-757-4051 no it's 859-757-4051 <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's the number of the dial you can also email streamingthingspod at gmail.com we hope you enjoyed our discussion of uh, our favorite independent films and we'll see you next week for the fast and furious descent into madness that's all we got time for. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. You can also follow us at Stream Things Pod on Twitter. Happy streaming.